0: Coming up on Telling the Odds, we have news on Darksaber Origins and Mandalorian Season 2, Kenobi series is casting for Luke and Leia, Mandalorian scores big time at the Emmys, and we go back to where it all started with Star Wars Episode 4 A New Hope. All that and more coming up now. McClunky.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Telling the Odds. This is episode 10. Uh, we're out of titles to give because there is no episode 10, at least not yet. We've uh, gone I,
0: beyond the Star Wars films. We've escaped.
1: We have. Well, I guess we could just. An anthology. We can <laughs> either find a way to. Um,
0: we could always you know. do uh, Rogue One, the Rogue episode podcast, if it's like. Sure, fish.
1: sure. <laughs> if you ever decide yeah. to go rogue on me, Michael, you're yes. welcome to use that. Title I'll go solo.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, solo. I see what you did there. The
0: solo story would just be like me talking to myself. We have like opposite podcasts. If any like time... a breakup, like Beatles style.
1: <laughs> if at any time we're just like, okay, Jack, I'm unavailable this week, and one of us just does it by ourselves, mm. then we can say, uh, telling the odds, a solo Star Wars story. Yeah, um, very good. How's your week been, Michael?
0: Good. Yep. Uh, very excited to watch what I would. At least everyone has a consensus that this film is actually a good one. Whereas, yeah. whereas yes. a, I, as much as I, I also enjoy Brunch of the Sith*, I can admit there are some pretty big issues with it. Still, whereas yes. this one is at least just a good film. So, yeah, that's absolutely, be a lot of fun right. to talk about that one.
1: August second, two thousand and twenty. I hope you guys are all doing very well at these in these troubling times. It uh, is
0: August, isn't it?
1: It is August now, can you believe that? Yeah, Ooh. time flies by even when you don't leave the house. Good um, luck
0: August, the rest of the year tried hard so far, see if you can yeah. keep up.
1: <laughs> uh, we've got a great show for you today guys, uh, we're going to get into some cool news, uh, so, uh, because we've got a cool uh, amount of stories today, uh, something that's actually you know, some, some uh, hard stuff that we can talk about, um, instead of just like, oh, rumour this, rumour that. <laughs> um, hard so, news. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. So let's get right into it with our first bit of uh, news for the week. We have an update on where the, on uh, how the Darksaber will play a role in Mandalorian Season 2. Obviously, that was a big uh, cliffhanger at the end of Mandalorian Season 1 when Moff mm. Gideon slices through that TIE fighter with the Darksaber. Um, and he, John Carlos Esposito, the man who plays Moff Gideon, has offered up his thoughts in an interview with Deadline about how the Darksaber will be featured in Mandalorian Season 2 and what we will see of it in terms of its origin, where it's been since last we saw it, yada, yada, yada. So, we have a quote from yep. him uh, that he gave. Would you like to read it, Michael?
0: Or... Uh, sure, okay. from the start. Uh,
1: yeah, go ahead.
0: Okay, so, uh, when he was asked to comment uh, about the Dark Saber, he said, you'll see more of the Dark Saber. You'll get the explanation of this ancient weapon to the modern world, a collapsed world. Where did the, de- where did the Saber come from, and how was it revived? It's a key in our second season uh, which will be back sooner than later. The sabre is the key to Moff Gideon's past, which possibly has a lot to do with where he comes from and his desire to build a planet and bring it back together.
1: Yeah. Uh, interesting, to say the least. Yes.
0: Um Yeah, so... Um... I, so I think the thing that stands out to me the most is it's the idea of... It's a, it's a key to Moff Gideon's past. So I, I was under the assumption he was just like an imperial leader who was responsible for Mandalorian, like Mandalore or whatever. Is he a Mandalorian himself?
1: Well, actually, I was just thinking about that
0: when I started to ponder
1: on this news a little bit more because of the fact that you know it brings up many questions as to whether we'll see the origins of the saber play out throughout the season. Like, we'll actually be seeing flashbacks of like yeah. you know ancient times where the Jedi Temple housed the Dark Saber and when the yeah. Mandalorians sieged that um, sieged the temple to take the saber back, um, and it, and it fell to the, uh, the the hand of the of uh, Clan Vizsla. Um, it also opens up theories about whether Moth Gideon, like you said, that, like where he came from, about his allegiance before he turned to the Empire, because I was wondering, like, you know, a really great, like, obviously this is just me, I'm not writing Mandalorian, but if it was me, something that would be really interesting to, like, think about was, um, like we said, he has the Darksaber, what if he was, like, you know, part of the Mandalorian Creed at one point, and he... Well, he took off his helmet, and that's why he can't never he can never take it off again. They basically kick him out, and that's be why he's so resentful to the Mandalorian um, uh, uh, creed as a uh, as a just as a as a thing. If that makes any yes, sense, Yes, I understand.
0: because yeah. that was like a big part they were building in the first season of Mandalorian, like showing that. I think, yeah. but also we have seen Mandalorians that have turned Imperial in Rebels with yes. the uh, Imperial Super Commandos and uh-huh. so he could always be one of those. Um, and I think I don't think the Vizla clan was one of them. It was like more other clans. No, yeah, that's but, true. But um, because because Sabine comes from with the UrsO fam. No, not Urso. clan Ren, clan Ren. Yeah, the the yeah. Ren family. That's true. Yes. Um. Uh, yeah. The, but. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things that he says in his quote is that it's a key to Moff Gideon's past. So something mm. that we were just talking about is like, you know, a little bit more easy to believe when he says something like that. But, you know, something else that we were talking about before we, we came on here is, you know, the last time we saw the Darksaber was in Rebels when uh, it went back to Bo-Katan on Mandalore and yes. she basically takes, uh, um, takes the, the role of leader. So that's basically where we left it. And obviously the next time we see it is in the uh, cliffhanger of the Mandalorian. Now Moff yeah. Gideon has it. So it begs the question, like, you know, when did those two cross paths? Cause he yeah. clearly, because it's either he, he won it from her, he got it from her, whatever. He stole it from her. Maybe, I don't know. Or, uh, you know, Bo-Katan lost it at some point and then Moff Gideon found it. Um, so it'd be interesting to delve into yeah. because like we've also talked about uh, in previous episodes there's a good chance that bo will be appearing in season two um I mean who hmm. isn't at this point because they've said oh yeah Ahsoka, <laughs> like Captain Rex uh, 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 Boba Fett bo like everyone's in it apparently this is none of it's been uh confirmed except for Ahsoka um yeah, but out of all the ones that they have said, Bo-Katan probably makes the most make sense. sense. Yeah. Because she is a Mandalorian, and we've seen a lot of her already. Uh,
0: so I think, I think we definitely will be exploring more of Mandalore's backstory, or at least Mandalore at the time of the Empire. Because like there was a lot of hints towards the Great Purge, or whatever it was during Mandalore Season 2. Sorry, yeah. Season 1. And the fact that he <laughs> has the Darksaber, which was in the hands of Bo-Katan, who was leading the Mandalorians at the time of uh, the Empire, so it means that, you know, pl- one side, Mandalorian purge, other side, it starts with Bo-Katan, then goes to Moff Gideon, I don't think it's looking great for both Bo-Katan and the Mandalorians, but...
1: Yeah, that's true. If she mean, shows like, up, the... then, maybe yeah, she when...
0: survived the purge or something.
1: Yeah, well, you know, when when Moff Gideon uh, uh, brings up, is it the Night of a Thousand Tears? It's the Night uh, of a Thousand Tears, uh, right? Oh, I'm not Where, sure, I haven't, would... I haven't seen it as recently. I believe... I believe it was, it it was called that what they are referring to as this Mandalorian purge. Um, I'm not sure at what point in, you know, uh, chronologically it does actually occur. I assume that it would, it would take place around, uh, you know, shortly after the last time we see, uh, the Mandalorians and their uh, creed in, in rebels. So I'm not sure when it'll happen. Obviously I'm sure they'll delve into a little bit more, uh, in, in season two, but Mm. overall, all in all, it's really interesting to see that, you know, um, it seems as though they're going to be focusing on the origins. They're going to be focusing on the origins of the Darksaber, which is interesting to me because if I wanted to see one or the other i'd probably want to you know quite frankly see where it's gone in these few years that has been undiscovered because obviously we know we haven't seen it physically play out with actual people and all that stuff but we've heard it described to us when kanan asks the mandalorian about it on the ghost when that like weird projection happens on the wall and you know uh previously described it partially to obi-wan in clone wars but other than that we haven't really seen a lot of it yeah we've
0: we've we've like we've heard the tale of it And so there's definitely always room to, like, explore with that, with, like, both characters or, like, what was going on, like, outside of just legends told thousands of years later. But I agree, like, we have a rough overview of that, whereas we know pretty much nothing about Mandalore at the time of the Empire, and I think that would be a lot more interesting to explore that side of it than going back thousands of years. Because we know that they
1: took control of Mandalore once, you know, uh, the Empire took over mainly. And then we've yeah. also seen them take it back in Rebels, in the start of uh, of, of Rebel Season 4. But now yep. we want to see what happens after that and why the Mandalorians are in the state they are in mm. the show. Why are they hiding underground? What's caused them to do that sort of thing? Um, I, I think that because... You know, they, they basically said their focus will be its origins, but I certainly think that we'll get an explanation for both. So, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it's, def- it's definitely interesting and I'm looking forward to seeing it because another thing he said is just, you know, it's going to be back sooner than later, which is good because it sounds like out of all the crap that's happening, it sounds like Mandalorian Season 2 has managed to stay... Um, relatively untouched, which is, which is, which is good. It sounds as though they'll be back sooner than later. Did Um, they manage to get
0: all their filming done
1: or a lot of it was done before all the lockdown stuff happened, I believe. So I think they'll be, I think they'll be Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, 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 that's our first news story for the day. Uh, very, very interesting. Looking forward to seeing more of the dark side because it's just a cool weapon and it's in the hands of very cool people. So, uh, so, so there you go. Now we have our second bit of news, which is another interesting thing in regards to, uh, star Wars TV series because God knows they're really focusing on their series right now, but you yeah, know, again, why, w- why wouldn't they? It seems to be working for them. Uh, Kenobi. Kenobi, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Kenobi is casting for a young Luke and Leia? Question mark? (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) Um, Okay. So, Luke, I think, makes sense. And I think it would be really cool to have a young Luke in the series to, like, show the early relation between Ben, Kenobi, and Luke. But Leia?
1: Exactly. Like, this is exactly why I I was... I knew that you and I would have the exact same opinion on it. Um, but anyway, like let's just describe a little bit more. Uh, Kenobi has led out a casting call for children between the age of, of eight and 11 to fill the spots of two lead roles, which are described as two quote unquote precocious eight year old children. Mm. Um, uh, following this, it's led many to believe that this is, yeah, a casting call to play a young Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa. Given the rumored time difference between Revenge of the Sith and Kenobi,
0: this would make sense. Um, does it specify that they have to be different genders or like one, one boy, one girl? Because, I don't think so. It's just put not, out for two could kids. Be, could be Luke and Biggs. Could be Luke and Biggs. <laughs> that's true. Big, uh,
1: uh, Biggs, uh, uh, what's the other one? Tank. I think it was. Uh, Cause it was just like, yeah, that's what you said when Biggs and Tank left or something like that. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, we also know that Kenobi's role to play as a hermit on Tatooine is because of his duty to watch over Luke as he grows up on the on, uh, on the desert planet uh, mm-hmm. under the name Ben Kenobi. So like you said, he he's regardless of whether or not we see him, Luke in general is a big overarching theme for Kenobi because that's the whole reason he's there to look right. over him and make sure he uh you know yes. doesn't run into any trouble and um you know no though we never see it in a new hope it's often implied that Luke has does know
0: of him and has met him once or yeah. twice I think so upon, and we'll get to it eventually but upon rewatching a new hope they have a lot closer of a relationship especially like like not even like once they've been traveling a bit like like, immediately, it's, he's like, I haven't seen you for a long time. He's got, like, a yeah. close relationship to Ben. As soon so as they- he
1: looks up at him, he says, Ben? Yeah. Ben Kenobi? Like, you know, yeah. he, he doesn't require an explanation. The guys have... These two people have clearly met. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's... It, it's interesting. It's really interesting to explore. But, yeah, again, like, I love that as soon as, you know, in a in a, in something like a Kenobi series, as soon as something even close to a child is mentioned, Oh, Luke! Oh, Leia! Because, uh, you know, it's... Yeah. Um, and I understand why you would think that, because it's, it's Star Wars and it's Kenobi. Obviously, you're going to think that. But again, uh, unless Kenobi is making day trips uh, day round trips to Alderaan, uh, to just for a bit of change of scenery. Um, I'm not sure what contextual, uh, reason we have to think that it's Leia because she's living her own life as a, as a, you know, a, a young princess. Uh, so I, I, I really don't know. Something that I'd actually really love to see in Kenobi is something that's not related to Luke or Leia at all. Like, you know, what if, um, something that has been explored in other series is, is like, you know, when, uh, Okay, alright, picture this. <laughs> have yep. you did you have you ever seen like, you know, the the Marvel Netflix series, like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, stuff uh, like
0: that? I've seen half of them. I've seen okay. a good one
1: yeah that's true well you know sometimes like you know there, there are people that they come across who are they're not even remotely uh you know intertwined with but they they might be like uh, a husband or a wife and their two kids that they sort of actually like ought of ac- sort of accidentally get um have them be dragged into what's bothering them like right. you know, they, just be- they just become implemental uh, implement uh, sorry <laughs> they yeah just become instrumental to the story just you know based off of the events that we see play out. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see that, you know, Kenobi being, you know, a, a noble Jedi master, regardless of whether or not he's in hiding, you know, he comes across a family that, you know, is being, you know... Uh, you know, uh, is struggling to survive out on Tatooine, or maybe someone's threatening them, I don't know, and they become instrumental to whatever the story's going to be. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd love to see that, people who we haven't seen. I think I know um, what you're
0: talking about, yeah. yeah, I, I yeah. think it would be interesting to explore, like, different ethical and moral ideas, of like, in the Kenobi series of, while Kenobi does want to be there and want to help people as a Jedi, he needs to, like, like, maybe he needs to, like, realise in certain times, like, Like what is most important, and most important is protecting Luke and keeping secret. And so maybe he has to like sometimes learn to not like go go too far to protect people, or maybe he has consequences for certain things he does. I think it would be interesting to explore that, and one of the ways could be through like a family or something through that.
1: That'd be interesting. Yeah. Like you know, again, learning about how those consequences affect the character that he becomes over the 19 years he spends on Tatooine.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, because like, you know, I-, I would also think that Kenobi being Kenobi, you know, a, a-, a trained Jedi, he's going to think, okay, yes, my role here is to protect um, the, the child of the force, literally. Um, but also just because of the fact that, you know, he has a role uh, to still help people, still try to be uh, a peacekeeper, something that the Jedi had fallen away from at the time of the purge. So, uh, you know, Kenobi might see it as his responsibility to... uh to you know, regardless of what, what he has to do, still try to help people wherever he can. So I think that's a like you know a cornerstone of Kenobi's character, and it'd be interesting to explore. So you know, I look, again, it's a lot of you know I don't know yet, and that's what it's going to be until we see Kenobi, of course. Yeah. Um. Or at least until more details come out. I'd love for this thing to be. Oh yeah, it is a young Luke and Leia. Um. I'm not sure
0: yet. Luke makes more sense than Leia. All I can say I is just, that. So. I just don't. I just can't see a situation in which it makes sense. Unless the unless the show one of two things. Unless the show leaves Tatooine, i.e. like Kenobi leaves Tatooine, or or it has like a part where it cuts to characters not on Tatooine, I just can't see a situation where Leia would be there because No. It would make no sense for Leia to go to Tatooine. Like clearly yeah. there's no suspicion. Of, of Leia being related to Luke or whatever. Yeah. Le- Leia and, and Obi-Wan have never met at the time of uh, A New Hope, or at least they've, if they do, they are, if they have, they are very good at keeping it secret.
1: They've technically been in the same room
0: when Obi-Wan delivered the, the children, but other than that, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I mean, to be fair, they don't actually talk. They, like... Leia only sees him get killed by Vader, but like she also very clearly sees who he is, and if yeah. she probably would have mentioned, oh yeah, I know Obi Wan. Oh, hang on, she does know Obi Wan. Yeah, because Bail Organa. said. Bail her Organa to... told yeah. her. But but would she have met him?
1: No, I don't think so. Because I don't think of, so. because the only person other than. Well, no one knew, other than you know maybe uh, Owen and Owen and Beru. The only person that uh, knew Obi Wan was on Tatooine were Yoda and uh, Bail Organa, because we see mm. in Rogue One, you know, when he has that exchange with Mon Mothma before he returns to Alderaan, uh, before he uh, goes off on his ship, he says, yes. um, you know, he served me well during the Clone Wars. Uh, he's been hiding since the Jedi fell. Yes, I will send for him. Something like so he yeah. knows he's there, and by you know. And in essence, he would have told Leia, and that's why we see the transmission you know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my own hope. Okay, so that makes
0: sense. But I just, like, yeah, her going to Tatooine beforehand, it just wouldn't make sense. Okay, yeah.
1: I think uh, Leia visiting Tatooine is out of the question. I I I think that she, I don't think she's ever been to Tatooine, quite frankly. Obviously, I don't, she might have. She might have. I don't know. I would have, I I would definitely like for her to not have visit Tatooine ever, yeah. because it completely derails what, you know, the whole thing about keeping them apart, keeping them separate. Exactly, is... and
0: it's such a backwater planet in the Outer Rim. The only reason that they're there in the first place, that it's coincidental that the fight was going above Tatooine, is because Leia was there to find Obi-Wan Kenobi.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so... Yeah, so so there you go. I but it definitely makes more sense to have Kenobi leave Tatooine than to than to have Leia come to Tatooine because it's never it's never you know said yep. flat out that, that Obi Wan was there for for the whole nineteen years. He might have gotten on a ship and gone somewhere else. I don't know. Um, yeah,
0: so it's not know, out of the question to explore that. I think they could still do some clever writing without him leaving, but it's yeah. not out of the question. But I think at least at the very least, it would be interesting. To see whether it's through Kenobi or through other parts, different part through other characters, different parts of the galaxy outside of Tatooine. But I yeah. wouldn't mind if it was just on Tatooine. I think this should be more of a character-driven story, like oh, Mandalorian. Absolutely. We're able to see them go explore different parts of the galaxy when we have so far, and have a broad range of characters. For us, I feel like this should be mostly focusing on the character of Obi Wan and his I growth. I believe so and all that. too,
1: because it, because if you really look at it. Like Obi Wan Kenobi as a character, what do we actually know about this man? We know about here. We we know that he's a Jedi Master, and we know that something that was really elaborated on in Clone Wars, and something that was touched on in the prequels as well, is that sort of like Yoda, he didn't really agree with a lot of the stuff that was going on, but he but he um, abided to to what was happening because he knew that it was his his role in Conwell season seven, you see that, you know, he really did have, you know, you know, feelings for Satine and that almost drove him to leave the Jedi order, but he knew yep. that that was, but he knew that he couldn't let that affect what he wanted, what he needed to do for the sake of other people and keeping other people safe. That's what we know about Kenobi, but I really want to see more. There are, there, cause There's so much, uh, area that you have to develop him as a character in general. And that's what I, that's what I really want to see. Um, so yeah, that could definitely be interesting. And something that you mentioned about, you know, leaving Tatooine, um, I'm not sure if Kenobi would ever feel the need to leave Tatooine because he feels he has responsibility to Luke. But in the context of a series itself and keeping an audience entertained... Like, Tatooine is Tatooine. It's a desert planet and most <laughs> of the areas look the same. It's rocky, Jundland wastes, desert, whatever. But if you want to keep someone... Um, if you want to add some, uh, some variety, the spice of variety, into uh, a production like this... For the sake of making people uh, invested in it at all... Yeah, I can maybe understand... Uh, you know, switching up the 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 scenery a little bit. Maybe we do see Bailogana on Alderaan a little bit, because just imagine if The Mandalorian was set only on Sereno. It's like this one town. Like yeah. you know, it um it, it would have still been uh, great because of the people that, that were involved, but it would have been pigeonholing yourself a little bit. So um, I don't I don't if looking at it from that angle. There's a lot of possibilities that you can consider. I just don't know at this point. Mm,
0: yeah. Definitely
1: yeah uh so basically that's like again that's that's that so that um, they're I mean, casting they're yeah. casting for two kids whether or not it's luke and leia we will certainly find out i'm still
0: i'm still thinking uh luke and biggs we're gonna yeah. get we're gonna get eight-year-old biggs in the story we'll find out uh you know luke's the best <laughs> in the outer rim hey uh, I, like
1: kenobi was going to um uh to Tosche station at one point but and i was going
0: just, to tashi station
1: and they're just hanging out there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that would be, yeah, well, there you go. Um, and our last little piece of news that we have isn't so like, you know, regarding the movies and stuff. It's really just something that was, you know, cool to see. Cool. Is that Mandalorian, uh, has received several Emmy nominations, which was, Mm. uh, which came as what was seemingly a bit of a surprise to some people, but you know, it's just as deserving as some of the other shows. Um, I w- bet a lot of people were just uh, surprised that like only a show that only has one season, eight episodes, uh, it got more nominations than like The Crown, Westworld, Stranger Things, The Handmaid's Tale. It beat all of them. Uh, yeah. So. So, yeah, there you go. It's received, uh, obviously, the nominations for Best Drum Series, Best Co- best Stunt Coordination, uh, Best Voice Over Performance, specifically in Episode 8 by Taika yeah. Waititi for IG-11, uh, Production Design, Cinematography, Costume Design, Editing, uh, Makeup, specifically make up episode 6 which makes sense to me because that's the prisoner that's that's the breakout yeah that that episode. makeup
0: was probably the best episode there
1: for uh, for the tw- for the uh pig and, uh,
0: and the the Devarian. D- the,
1: the devaronian yeah the devaronian with,
0: um, uh, with Clancy Brown
1: Clancy Brown exactly so that makes a lot of sense mm. uh costume design is is makes sense too musical composition i mean you know yeah. uh ludwig uranson i mean so,
0: how can- what's this best going guest actor one
1: yeah, well, like you know, he's also because uh, something okay. that happens at the Emmys is when uh, you know one of the nominations is for best guest uh, appearance yeah, or whatever. He's
0: like not. He's like hardly in. He's only in like the last two episodes.
1: He's in it for, like, 10 minutes over, in terms of screen time. You yeah. could probably equate it to, like, only 10 minutes, but that's how good he was. John Carlos Pizizoto was great as, as Moff Gideon. Yeah, um, and, I mean, we'll
0: see a lot more on this Two, too, I guess. Yeah.
1: yeah, sound editing, sound mixing, and, of course, the visual effects. So, uh, I mean, it yeah. was a
0: very good show, so I, I'm not surprised. Um, Absolutely. Which ones I think it might win? Like, I mean, it might win drama. I don't know, but I feel like definitely a lot of the sound effects, a lot of the production design, a lot of the, like, special effects type ones, it will probably yeah. win. Just because... In terms of like it being a television show, it's not only was its budget like really high for television shows, but it yeah. went really far with its budget. Like it really it, extended it it,
1: it. it spared no expense, really. Like, I mean, it was yeah, it, it, like that. It, it, it was it was basically it really was basically three movies chopped up into eight episodes. Yeah, it pretty so, much was.
0: I I, I uh, upon like watching it, it's. I feel like the visual effects were good and were pretty much on par with films. Like, absolutely, maybe maybe a couple of scenes, it was like a little bit like you could tell that the like that, that was not quite as perfect of a budget. But pretty much, almost every single scene, uh, like the quality of like the effects, the the world, all of that, felt like just like it was watching a Star Wars film. So that yeah. was really good.
1: Getting a getting a nomination for something like production design, well, of course it's going to do that because it's a Star Wars. So they can they can invest however many dollars they want in it to the point where it does look mm-hmm. like like we just said, three movies chopped up into eight episodes. It's almost like <laughs> most people would often think that just like oh that's not fair because of the fact that they literally have the subsidiary of Star Wars behind them. Like, of course, they're going to absolutely look beautiful. Um, so they really have a leg up into, uh, in front of basically everybody else. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that one gets... Them. Like, also Musical definitely composition a lot of artistic uh,
0: skill went into it. Like, not well, only course. did it have a higher budget, not only did I have sales, but, like, like the way, if you look, when we watched the whole episode behind the scenes, we, like like, watched all into it. Like it was very clear. Like there was a lot of effort put into the show, and it showed.
1: Yeah, I mean, not everyone has the, you know, not every show has the ability to to have a build, giant LED screen. Exactly, to have a giant LED screen to to build these, uh, you know, yep. ship sets. You know, not every show can just build a Razor Crest whenever they want to. So, you know, it's mm. so so. Or so just, the, or yeah. just,
0: we need an next wing. Bring in an next wing from the Spark. <laughs> exactly.
1: I heard, um, I heard people saying, oh, can't we nominate baby Yoda? Hmm. I'm just like, um, yeah. no, because it's a not puppet. a person. It's a, a puppet. puppeteering? Yeah. Re- uh, regardless of how it's amazing. like, a Muppet
0: or, or, like, or like, a Yoda I, I ever, ever, ever want anything? That'd be Rega- interesting.
1: Regardless of how uh, perfect the puppeteering is, yeah. people are just like, no, he counts as his own person. Nah, he doesn't.
0: Like, <laughs> he, he was, they were able to convince, uh, what's it called? Um... Oh, who was the actor? Werner Herzog. God, he was yes. convinced that Baby Yoda was a real person, so if they could I convince know. him, that's true.
1: Look, it's the it's the why don't you nominate Andy Serkis of Planet of the Apes argument. Yeah. It's sort of just it's 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 like that. It's but anyway, there you go. Uh, we wish Mandalorian the best of luck at yeah. the at the Emmys. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not even sure when the Emmys are supposed to take place. I just know the 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 nominations have come out. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Mandalorian, good luck to you now. Main discussion, Michael. Let's get into it. Let's Uh, get into it. So, uh, we took a break from it last week. It seems as though we're basically just doing it every second week, which seems to be working for us. Uh, The main discussion we have now is uh, the fourth installment in our Star Wars Skywalker saga retrospective, where we will be looking back on where it all started Star Wars episode 4 a new hope well, <laughs> well that sounds like a contradiction in it itself because it does. I because because I say back to where it all started on episode four but uh <laughs> but mm. you know everyone knows what I mean when I say that so
0: yes the original is Star Wars but we didn't watch Star Wars because we didn't watch the cinematic release one but
1: do you when you refer to it? Do you call it Star Wars or do you call it A New Hope?
0: I call it A New Hope because I've always known it as A New Hope because I mean, I I grew up with it as the like one, two, three, four, five, six. So
1: yeah, me too. Look, I uh, it's it's official title is Star Wars A New Hope. I I do call it A New Hope, but I also do call it Star Wars just from time to time, like you know, Star Wars nineteen seventy seven. Um, you know, it, because both work. None of the, neither of them are false. I think it's, Um, if it's
0: in the context of 1977 or when it came out, like as it's released, yeah, call it star Wars, but like nowadays star Wars is a franchise. So it's like,
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, Michael, let's get into this. How do we critique a practically perfect movie? (laughs) We don't need to Uh, critique it. We can just spend the entire
0: time talking about how great it
1: is. That's uh, what I intend to do because I mean, what can you say at this point?
0: Yeah. I I do do have a couple of funny things to point out. It's it's interesting if they're critiques or not.
1: Yeah, all right, fair enough. I mean, like, you know, something that's always been, you know, like, you know know what, we'll just get into it when we get into it. Uh, But something you could definitely talk about with uh, Star Wars, or, you know, A New Hope, Mm. is just... L- l- the making of the film is almost as interesting as the film itself. Yeah, because it's not because uh, when it first was uh, envisioned by the visionary legend Mr. George Lucas, um, <laughs> because I've actually read. Uh, I've read George Lucas's biography, uh, and, it yep. was, and it was really, really interesting, and it goes into how the film got made, and it's just, uh, to, to think, no one, absolutely no one believed in Star mm. Wars. No one. Only one studio picked it up, obviously, that being 20th Century Fox. Yep. Um, also,
0: also, like, watching, like, the actual scenes and, like, everything going on, I feel like you can just tell in the actor's, like, eyes, or, like, what's going on. They are so confused what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. These bizarre sets and things they're on and what they're doing. And and they're just like, what is this director thinking? And then like years later after it comes out, they're like, you can tell. And it all came together. You're like, wow. Okay, this is just insane how this all came together.
1: Well, because Alec Guinness would... Um, he he's talked about in interviews about how he would uh, write. He would, he would write back to his uh, family uh, in, in England. And he would just talk about the fact that he really had absolutely no faith in the project whatsoever, that the dialogue was was quite bad. Um, so so that it, really no one believed in it, especially George Lucas's, uh, you know, directing friends itself. Uh, dire- uh, George Lucas being in the Directors Guild in the 1970s and being mm. close friends with Mr. Steven Spielberg, Brian De Palma, Francis Ford Coppola, who had, you know, Turned themselves into visionary filmmakers. Coppola did The Godfather. Spielberg mm. was doing everything Spielberg did because uh, he had just done Jaws and he was doing Close Encounters of the Third Kind at the same time that Star Wars came out. Brian De Palma, yeah. Scarface, and everything else that he's done. When he, when, when George Lucas first showed them Star Wars, like, um, they, they just, oh god, uh, apparently their reactions to it were just like, oh George, it's, it's bad. It's bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but other. But the only person who didn't think that was Steven Spielberg. He thought that it was going to be a really good film, and obviously, uh, if history has taught us anything, you listen to Spielberg. Uh, so, so, so there you go. And, um, it's, but, but anyway, we're we're rambling on. Uh, yeah,
0: but- I think talking about the film, like you can just, I think, like going straight into it, having come off the prequels, you can just tell that like the tone of this film, or like. Just, like, the feel of this film. It's so much more fun. It's, like, it's, like, a, it's a, this is such a fun film. Like, it doesn't quite, it's not quite as dark as the next film. It's not quite as, like, I don't know, like, climactic and, like, and all about the, uh, like, the, the epic scenes of the last film. This one's yeah. just, like, a fun little romp adventure with Luke, Leia, and Han, and they all get to know each other. And and also, exactly. seeing young Luke is really funny because, I don't know, like, cause we've Cause known so him so as, like... Now. Yeah, we've learned as a grown up, and especially even from episode four to episode five, he's so different.
1: Well, that, well, no, no, you're absolutely right, and that's because you know, in yeah. uh, you know, Mark Hamill, obviously he's at his youngest that we ever see him in the Star Wars films because this was the first one. Um, no. You know, like he looks a certain way because he was only nineteen at the time, and yeah. then between yeah, episodes four and five, he he had a he had a, a car crash. Mark Hamill had a car crash yeah. in, wherein he did have to have certain parts of his face reconstructed. And that, it really is why he looks so different in, uh, between episode four and five and then consequently, and then, uh, consecutively return of the Jedi. Um, so that's just, uh, you know, in terms of real world context, but in terms of the films, there's no explanation and there doesn't need to be. It's just a, it's just a thing that happens. Um, but if, yeah, we, if we get into the film itself, uh, you know, this, this, an overarching theme about Star Wars in general is the fight is the, um, the fight against evil. Sometimes it, it really feels, uh, impossible, but there's, there's always hope generally. Um, and that is, uh, really typified in the first scene without the use of dialogue at all, because you see the, 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 the blockade runner, the Tantive four, yep. it is minuscule compared to this hulking Star Destroyer that just comes over your head. It's what it's, it's one of the best shots in cinema history. Um, it, it shows that the, how small the rebels are and how insurmountably powerful the Empire is uh, and, and that's something that you needed to solidify from second number one and that's exactly what happened um, and so yeah let's get into more of the more of the scene I guess obviously mm. you introduced to c 3 po and R to d2 hello it. Um, I love
0: the the way the the scene where the stormtroopers just kind of like wobble through the door that they've cut open and this is the firefight that goes between them. And like the rebels get like uh, destroyed in that. Like they only shoot up two stormtroopers but they lose like every single rebel soldier there pretty much except for like maybe the ones that retreat. But they're like there's like a lot of them focusing on a single choke point door. How did the rebels lose that many people? i well, that's just that's they how are powerful they were.
1: Shocked. I mean, like it's it, they are. T- well, that's the thing is that Not the as whole
0: as Imperial stormtroopers.
1: <laughs> the biggest meme about you know Star Wars in general is the stormtroopers can't shoot to save their lives. Hmm. Um, it seems as though this is literally like the only scene where they're actually proficient in 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 shooting. Uh, yeah, this, is, this you know, is the
0: main one.
1: Also, some of the facial expressions pulled by the rebels when they die. It's just... Oh, my goodness. There are
0: many great facial expressions in this film. Welcome to the 70s, people. I love this film, but this film has got some amazing overacting and just, like, really committing to things.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And so now I guess we could just talk about the next person who comes through the door, that, of course, being Darth Vader. Yes. Uh, The greatest villain in cinema history. Um, And, yeah, well, I mean, like... it's debatable, but you know, at the same time, <laughs> yeah, um,
0: definitely it's, the coolest.
1: It will definitely, uh, you get the ominous menacing feel of this guy. The moment he walks through the door and you don't even, um, he, he doesn't even speak. Uh, and at this time the Imperial March hadn't even been composed yet. So it's really just what George, uh, John Williams had to work with. And even then it's really good. So, yeah. so there you go. Um, uh, Yeah. And, you know, just like, it's another thing about this movie that's just infamous and always will be is uh, Darth Vader's original voice with David Prowse uh, before mm-hmm. it was replaced with yeah. James Earl Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a couple of Find scenes... Find the passengers of this vessel! I want them
0: alive! <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. But also, there are a couple of scenes where you can tell, like, very clearly that it's dubbed over um, in terms of, like... I think there's a scene with Vader talking to Tarkin where the audio... Like where where James Earl Jones stops talking, but like for like a second or two, Darth Vader is still emoting as if he was talking. It's quite I know I
1: exactly know it, so. which scene you're talking about because yeah. it's just because um uh no it's. Uh, oh yeah, I remember. It's when the the guy comes through and says, Our scout chips have reached Antoine. There's yep. no real base. Well we're now doing a conducting we're now conducting a search of the surrounding systems. Uh, and mm. then Tarkin's like, Oh, she lied, she lied to us, and then Darth Vader says, I told you, you should never consciously betray the rebellion. Obviously that's James Earl Jones talking. But yep. after he finishes talking, you can still see the body of Darth Vader, Ergo David Prowse, still like, you know, motioning and and, and you know moving as if he is still emoting, like you said, and talking to Tarkin, but it's happening after James Earl Jones has finished talking. So like you said, there is some, uh, obviously it's dubbing because James Earl Jones wasn't yeah. there in the suit, but it's only at that one point where I'd say it's noticeable. Other than that, I don't really notice it, but getting back to what we were just talking about with Darth Vader, when we're still in that first scene, you also yep. love how captain Antilles puts his hands out uh, uh, to, to block his face after he dies. Yeah, uh, cause you know, just, you know, why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so there you go. Um, uh, yeah,
0: anything else to say about the scene, Michael? About the um, first? I mean, I don't think necessarily to say about the, what can you say about like these perfect scenes, or whatever. But no, like, um, like there's also I think in terms of like the effects and stuff, you can tell that this film, even compared to like the later films in the original trilogy, is a little bit like lower budget or still like kind of cobbledly put together. But oh, in yeah. terms of like. There are so many creative ways that they create that they did this film in terms of like special effects and all that. And compared to films at the time, it's like pioneered in so many ways. And I think it's just such a crazy film that like this came out. At the time this came out, there was nothing else Star Wars. And just through this film, it's already able to great give you a massive sense of the wider Star Wars world. Which is just so interesting
1: absolutely because you know it's it's not only set up in the dialogue just like you know in passing passing yeah. lines where someone will mention something something will uh, someone will mention a a a planet or someone like an actual mm. an actual individual with only one movie a movie that no one believed in you already yeah. have the um a a a world being built out which is just the genius of George Lucas's writing in this movie something mm-hmm. that something, something that's always stuck with me that Anthony Daniels has said on several occasions is uh when you meet R2-D2 and C-3PO they are they're not clean they just they're not fresh off the assembly line C-3PO has a silver leg that doesn't match anything else they're all sweet, yeah. you know grubby and dirty there's clearly um you know regardless of what George Lucas wanted to do, it was clear from second number one that this was a uh, a world that felt lived in already, um, which is just another great element of, of, of the movie. And you were also yep. just talking about the visual effects. Uh, have you ever watched the theatrical version of this movie?
0: I've seen the major differences. I've, Look, like, I've watched all of the uh-huh. major differences between theatrical and non-theatrical, but mm-hmm. no, I've never watched theatrical from start to end.
1: Alright, uh, well because I have like a look, I have like a limited edition DVD or something like that that has yep. the actual version on it so I have wow. seen it and it's a lot of I, I love watching that so it, I, I just, yeah, lots of fun um, and something that I noticed is, you know, this is completely untouched It's how it showed up in the cinemas in 1977, the visual effects are still so good mm. and the, and that's just something that you got to praise it for because again, like you were just talking about these visual effects literally literally did not exist they didn't exist. And that's why George he Lucas...
0: Created a special effects company to make the film. Exactly. You know, with he, ILM.
1: He found... He he, uh, he, he created Industrial Light & Magic uh, to create this movie. And that is literally the the company that every single movie uses to this day, if it's mm. anything related to, to visual effects. And that's just something that you got to praise him for. He literally changed the game, not only in filmmaking, but literally. in you know, what you can do... In visual, uh, in, in visual effects, special effects, and what you can do to create a movie in general. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's it's really, really good. And uh, something that you don't actually realise until you watch it back, now that we have so much different... So all this different Star Wars media, is yep. how much the first act of this film is just R2-D2 and C-3PO.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I was, like, watching through the film and stuff, and I know by the time they leave the Death Star, there's only, like, 20 minutes left. So that's already, like... This film is, like... Very differently paced to like what I expect. So like, yeah, the first part with like R two D two and C three crew is like much longer and much higher percentage of the film that I remember. Yeah, well, because you know, when the, does the Luke f- actually show up?
1: Well, he, he shows up once they reach their farm. Yes, but so, like in terms
0: of like time codes and stuff.
1: I oh, I, I don't have it on me. I would I would imagine that it's not until like half an hour half an hour in. I mean, like mm-hmm. you can look it up right now while we're talking. Yeah. But um, so when he when they get to. The, the Jawa farm and you meet uh, Luke Skywalker because Luke Skywalker is, he's the guy. He's, 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 he's the main character.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and you immediately get the feeling that this guy is, well, it's the ultimate hero story because it's just this guy who, who doesn't have a lot but yearns for so much more. Uh, not in like a, you know, a, a selfish way, but just because of the fact that he he has to believe that there's more than what life has offered him up to this point, and something that I always love, and it gives, yeah. it, and it just it's so um, uh, uh, wholesome every time I hear it. Is right after Baru, he is. It's basically the first time we hear him referred to as Luke when she calls out to him, yeah. um, and he runs over to that pit where she's,
0: <laughs> yeah. you know, a little little standing. Pit yeah.
1: Um. And you hear his theme for the first time. It's like na na. Nah, 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 nah. It's just oh, It's great. Um,
0: the uh, so, music in this film is outstanding.
1: Well, that's another thing about the making of the film itself is that even George Lucas, when he put the film together for the first time, he he had he never you know had um you know he, he never didn't have hope that the movie was uh, what yes. he wanted, and he he it seems as though he he got to film and and. Uh, film what he wanted to see but when he put it all but when he put it all together the first edit of star wars has been caught and he he called it unwatchable Mm. because it was so bad not uh, but it was also because look nothing had been cut green screen wasn't put in yet like you know the visual effects weren't finished the score wasn't even there like you can imagine why it was unwatchable um and then he said uh like, again, because I've read the biography, I've seen documentaries, he said that once the music was added, really everything started to come together, and you can imagine, and you can see why, because the music, because the music is, it's perfect. There's nothing. It's, it's,
0: It's, not only is it iconic to the whole Star Wars um, franchise, but, like, just this film, like, pretty much most of the major epic themes in the Star Wars franchise, like, come from this film, with, like, certain other ones added on, like, you got the yeah. Imperial March. You got the main Star Wars theme. You got Luke's theme. You got all the main, yeah. all the goodies. Well,
1: because you know, in, it was only in, uh, when Empire Strikes Back rolled around that they realised that Darth Vader needed his
0: own. Oh, was, is that, own... It Imperial March not in this film?
1: Nope. Doesn't. I doesn't didn't show up, even realise. Doesn't show up wow. at all. Um, it's only that, like, um, it's well, that, I look like silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's that collection of like brass when you first see Darth Vader. It just goes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but, it is, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, but other than that, you don't hear the Imperial March because that's another thing: is that Darth Vader
0: is hardly even in the movie. He is, yeah, he's not really in this one, is he? Like you
1: know, you, you don't really notice it until uh, unless you look at it through that perspective. But if you look at it, I wouldn't imagine that Darth Vader is in this movie for I like think, any more than like ten minutes.
0: I think the reason why you don't notice it is because every scene he's in is, like, some of the most memorable scenes. Like, Absolutely. most of the scenes are just with Luke and them on Tatooine and Obi-Wan and them going around with, like, the droids and all that. But, like, because they everly soft and intercut it with t- scenes of Vader and Tarkin and Leia and all them, like, those scenes are some of the more memorable ones that, like, even without much screen time, Vader is such an iconic presence on the screen that, like, he's a major part of the film. Like, not only when he's, like, mentioned through, like, obi-wan and all that he's like a big deal like even yeah even if tarkin is probably more of a like more of a antagonist in terms of he's in charge of everything vader is very clearly the antagonist in terms of how it's built up and how you see him just because of how imposing and threatening he is on screen
1: definitely yeah i'd agree um and you know i just wanted to get into more of the the making of the film just quickly is that like yeah, you know, um you just have to imagine what would have been going through George Lucas's head. But when uh, the first day, literally the first day of shooting was in Tunisia when they uh, showed up on Tatooine and they were going to shoot scenes with, um, with uh, Mark Hamill, Sir Alec Guinness and Anthony Daniels. Yep. Uh, they, I, I think it that they, they had gotten like the worst weather in Tunisia in like decades. Mm. Um, out of all days, they could have had the worst whether in decades it was when George Lucas was going to start a film that no one else believed in. And it was just like, he's called uh, in the documentary I watched. uh, He says that the first shooting, the first day of shooting was just a disaster. And that's when he was just like, okay, this could, this could, this could get bad if this sort of thing continues to happen. And then star Wars went over budget and it Mm -hmm. went over time. Um, And at several times uh, it was um, Alan Ladd jr. Who was a producer at 20th Century Fox and was basically George Lucas's confidant on the 21st 20th Century Fox board of directors? He was the guy who uh, Lucas convinced to to make yep. the movie and um, at several points he actually talks about the fact that okay look George I cannot go back into that room tomorrow and say that you're still shooting because they'll just they'll shut it down um, and they've actually told a, they he actually told a story about you know the 20th Century Fox executives were saying why like why why should we give this kid um, another second of our time another cent of our money for something we know that's not going to work and then he and then Alan Ladd just Alan Ladd Jr. just flat out said because it's the best movie ever made And then he was just like, "Well, it better be, because if it doesn't, it's your ass." And look what happened. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, it turned out to be the highest scoring film
1: of all time at that point.
0: There's got to be so many stories of things like that where they're like, "Well, it's the best film ever made," and then it just flops or whatever. But it's just crazy that, like, yeah, this was that one case where not only was it just like amazing, it was the most successful film ever at that time. I know. not only in terms of box office but in terms of cultural impact Star Wars is still massive to this day
1: Yeah absolutely and you know what like you know we didn't really get into her in the first scene but you know Princess Leia Carrie Fisher she was something that no one had seen in film up to that point because yeah. you know uh you know we've we, we, the society has progressed, but up to that point in films, you didn't see the the feistiness come off of a young female character until you saw Princess Leia. Because you know she, you know in in the film, you are just saying like you know, <laughs> you came in that thing. You're braver than I thought. You think you call this a rescue? Give me those guns and like you know stuff yeah, like that. Is just
0: she's just making fun of them the whole time as they're rescuing her. No, no, yeah. Leia's great in this film. She is, she is definitely one of the one of the best characters, I think, especially. Han is really interesting with in this film as well. Because yeah. knowing Han as he is in, in episode 5, but especially episode 6, seeing him as, like, the scoundrel character that he starts off as... Everyone loves to remember Han as, but it's really only in this film he's like that. That's it's, true, yeah. It's really interesting. Um, But also, having seen Solo, like, after the fact, it's really... This does not feel like the same character as Solo, and I guess there are a number of years in between. But like, yeah. I mean, I mean, we may we may review Solo: A Star Wars Story at some point. But like, I don't know. But I do really like Han Solo in this role. Uh, in in this movie, he is he's a lot of fun. He is <laughs> and also his haircut. There are some there are some amazing. <laughs> Haircut like seventies haircuts in the seventies. Seventies haircuts, exactly. The best. The best one is the X-wing pilots um, when they're in on uh, on Yavin oh, uh, they when they're in the briefing. If the there's best. a couple of shots of the, there's this one dude with a bowl cut. Oh, I need to find his name, but it's so good.
1: I think it's Dutch Vanda when he was just like pardon of me for us. but he's great so as well. What could our starfighter is gonna do against that? And that yep. hairstyle is just amazing. But also. um... Uh, do you know what I mean when I say fake Wedge? Uh, yes, yes, I do know what you mean when you say fake Wedge. <laughs> because that guy who uh, sits next to Luke in the briefing when he's like, that's impossible, even for a computer. Yes. That, that is
0: actually supposed to be Wedge Antilles. It was. I don't think it any, uh, in, anymore is. But um, it, it was originally supposed to be Wedge Antilles when they were making the film and they recast.
1: But literally in the same movie recast.
0: Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. yeah. Recast
1: in the same film. It wasn't like a thing where you get to see like, oh, Edward Norton is is Banner and mm-hmm. this Hulk and then exactly. Mark Ruffalo's Hulk in the Avengers. It's literally from scene to scene. It's recast. It's just, yeah. oh, it's amazing. This guy was like, no, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm not showing up tomorrow. Okay. We'll just get uh, Dennis Lawson to do it. Uh, yeah. So so there you go. Um, have you found the guy's name? The guy who has like the d oh. Give
0: me, Give me a second. Okay. Uh, but, um. Yeah. It's
1: just. Oh, it's the best. Uh, I can't remember what we were up to in terms of you know when we were actually going through. Oh yeah, I guess. Uh, sorry, about, I brought it to uh,
0: the Yavin or whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah, I guess you could just skip to uh, Luke. C3PO, r to D2. This is when you really get to start the, You start to see that dynamic that you see in Luke, where you know he he doesn't. He, he yearns for something more than what he has. Like I already said. And then you obviously get mm. what is personally my favorite scene, maybe in all of star Wars, which is Luke in front of the sunset. Uh, when he just, uh, yeah. it's, it's that part where it's so iconic. Like, like literally every person has had that moment where you're just like, you just have a sort of moment of silence and clarity to yourself when you wonder what the hell your life is going to be like. And if, and you, if you want, you can, you start to wonder, is this, is, is this all, it's 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 just so beautiful, and it's when the score really starts to hit home for you because you get the main force theme. It's uh, it's just the best. Yep. Um, so that's my favorite uh, shot and probably my favorite scene in the film. But this is when you start to get into uh, Obi Wan and Alec Guinness, mm. Sir Alec Guinness. This guy oh, ska- um, so good. And literally, this is uh, it's it's well known that this is the only uh, sense of like okay uh, we'll give you a shot is because George Lucas managed to get Sir Alec Guinness uh, on board um, because of the, they were just like okay yeah. well, all these because that's the thing is that another thing about the casting is that the studio wanted George Lucas to go with you know uh, uh, well-known actors because again they didn't have a lot of hope in the movie so they thought that was gonna be the one saving grace of it they could put people in there that were known but George Lucas was like no he was he, he was he was adamant that they needed to be people who yeah. were at that point unknown the only person who was like sort of known at that time was Harrison Ford because he had done American graffiti with him uh, a few mm. years earlier and then it also proceeds to uh, Sir, Sir Alec Guinness because he was obviously a, a well renowned actor and he was uh, doing you know he, he was known as a theater actor in, in, in England mm. and had done just amazing amazing films up to that point I mean um, had he won to Bridge on the River Kwai that was earlier right uh, I for some, I'm actually not sure if Bridge over the River Kwai was before Star Wars or if it wasn't. I'm just not sure. Uh, I'll, I'll... it up. Bridge, Bridge. over. Oh. You good?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Couldn't tell you really.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Bridge over the River Kwai was 57, so it was 20 years earlier. Yeah. Um. And so I you think he won best. You won like best This, this guy's haircut. The listeners it's... at home. I did find uh, the the dude's haircut. His name is Ellie Heck Rue. Ellie Heck Rue. E-L-Y-H-E-K space r u e. Uh, And it is goodness. It's the worst bowl cut I've ever seen. It is. It's very seventies. It doesn't help that he's you know he's he's not the most attractive face on on on, of the man. But like like you know he can't have that. But the haircut is just. It's just, it's a Lego haircut. You could take the piece off and it's got a little, like, hole and you could put it on someone else. It's just, oh. I know. But also, it's just like, the the guy himself, he also looks very
1: unhappy. <laughs> yeah,
0: He looks really grumpy. I was like, oh, why are we here? Well, the Death Star's going to blow us up yeah, anyway. I Let's just give up. I don't remember seeing him on the Death Star attack run, so maybe he's unhappy because he didn't get selected. <laughs> maybe oh, yeah. Luke, maybe he took Luke, Luke took his place or something. Sorry, man, you got benched. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's good. That is yeah, a... Well, we actually saw
1: the, 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 the previous red five go yeah. down in the battle of Scarif in rogue one. Exactly. So that's, so that's who Luke, that's the place that Luke right. took. Well, he um, took his
0: call sign, but also the X-wing was destroyed. So where'd they get this X-wing? Hmm.
1: They just get another X-wing and slap R- uh, R5 on it.
0: Uh, Red um, five. Yeah. Red
1: five. Exactly. Um, so yeah, there you go. Now I've sort of lost track of where we were when we I think. Oh, right. Alec Guinness. Yeah. Alec, Alec Guinness. Guinness. Um, uh, Regardless of what you thought of the movie up to this point, if you were a viewer in 1977, yes. you're loving it. Maybe you're not, like you. Maybe the people who you're seeing, maybe and, you're thoroughly confused. I just like you might be thoroughly confused again. That's that's a <laughs> complete possibility. As soon as Alec Guinness shows up, you're just like, oh, okay, I know this guy, um, because he was what we see now. Like back then, he was what we see now as like a Robert De Niro or someone mm. like that. He was a he was an established, um, you know, uh, award winning. L- elderly award-winning thespian who um was doing a sci-fi serial picture uh, yeah
0: which is kind of commonplace nowadays but back then unheard of
1: absolutely unheard of um also i just love like you know anytime you hear him mention his name like to this day when he was doing like press for the last jedi and Rise of skywalker yes. you hear mark hamill refer to alec guinness as sir alec guinness mm. he always says so which just shows the the amount of Respect. The amount of respect, yeah. but also, and I'm not sure if this is true, but I'm pretty certain it is. And it's just, <laughs> did you know Alec Guinness would um would pay Mark Hamill to leave him alone? <laughs> yeah. that was like uh, I'm not sure if he would pay him or he'd like, he'd give yes. him like he wanted him he to be, would...
0: leave him alone.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, because Mark Hamill does sort of strike you, especially back then, as a person who would be just like hmm. um <laughs> like uh. He's sort of like Tim in Jurassic Park. He'll, yes. He will not leave you alone. No, he doesn't <laughs> understand
0: personal space, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, great. Yeah. There you go. And I think, and,
0: but it doesn't come across on screen because on screen they've got a oh, great no chemistry. Yeah, they,
1: th- their chemistry is on point from second number one. And again, we just like you know we were talking about it before about uh, in the actual in the news itself. Actually, when we were talking about how Lucas clearly met Obi Wan before. Mm. Again, that's just another instance in which yeah, yes, George that's... Lucas made this world feel so lived in. I Stuff didn't has really noticed
0: that before. Like previously, I would yeah. always just thought it was like. Luke uh, had, like, heard of Obi-Wan as, like, the hermit from across town or an old wizard or yeah. whatever, but then he actually met him, like, this time, but no, like, it's, it's, like, yes, they haven't met in a while, but, like, it's clear he's grown up knowing Ben Kenobi and, like, that they've, they've been friends, like, he's still yeah. pretty close to him.
1: It just, it's clear how, you know, it's just a testament to how uh, revolutionary George's idea of of, of uh, creating a story was because he himself wrote as if this was episode four before it was actually yeah. titled episode four. He had plans for the prequels before... Before Return of the Jedi came out. And it's mm. actually well known that he wanted to do those first. But because technology wasn't there yet, regardless of how many studios he could create and co-found, yeah. um, he just wasn't be able- he wasn't gonna be able to make them in the 70s and the 80s, which is why he started halfway halfway through. This is completely like, you know, this is this is it's it's completely true, and it's just amazing that he was able to envision all this. And it's just, yeah. It's well right. and the, the next scene uh itself. Uh, you actually get to see uh, you know Grand Moff Tarkin shot for the first time after oh. you know Luke and Luke and Obi Wan have the exchange talking the about Tarkin He's so in Obi Wan's hut. If you're if it's if you're talking about established people who at the time you wouldn't expect to see in a movie like this, but now it's you can't imagine it without them. It's uh, Alec Cushing. Guinness and Peter Cushing because Peter Cushing is on point in this movie. He for the one movie that he appears in, well, Rogue One. Eh, technically, no, it but not really. This is the only time when Peter Cushing, living, breathing Peter Cushing, was part of a Star Wars film. And uh, in all his slipper-wearing glory, he's amazing.
0: Very good. Yeah. Every Every scene he's in, you just forget how great Tarkin is in this film. He tells Vader what to do. Yeah. But also, like, He does, he's only in this one and he's, he's only in for like a number of scenes, but he stands out even, even just from that as like one of the most iconic, certainly the most iconic Imperial and one of the most iconic villains of the Star Wars franchise
1: definitely. Like, you know, like you said, he's only in this movie, and yet he was so good that when you see him in, like, you know, Clone Wars, or like, you know, that first uh, arc of Clone Wars that he's in when they infiltrate the Citadel, when I I remember still watching that when it first came out on, um, uh, you know, on, on, you know, telly. And uh, Mm -hmm. when he said, and this is Captain Tarkin, I'm like, what? What? Yeah. yeah. Uh, He's great in Rebels as
0: well, and he is okay in Rogue One. Yeah, well, he's hit and miss in Rogue One.
1: You could create an entire episode about that. So, uh, so there yep. you go. So Peter Cushing is is, is amazing. The next Great. scene with Alec Guinness and Luke in uh, Alec Guinness and Luke, Obi Wan Kenobi and Luke uh, and Luke in front of the uh, trashed Jawa sandcrawler. Um, not only does Obi Wan flat out say, "Only <laughs> Imperial stormtroopers are so, so precise." precise. <laughs> Funny joke. Uh, yes, but. Again, this is when you get to see uh, Luke return home to mm. see what remains of, uh yeah. Yeah,
0: the remains of them.
1: The remains of uh, Owen and Baru. This is, uh, that's again, like, you know, it gets super dark. They are literally skeletons lying burnt on the ground. Yeah. Um, it's, wow. But like, wow. that's
0: not even normally a way a blaster kills them. Like a blaster in the show is normally just like, uh, I mean, an explosion, or, like, maybe, like, a, a wound from them. They were burnt <laughs> alive. They were literally tortured. What did tortured? the Stormtroopers do to them? Oh, my the, the, goodness. The sto-
1: because they wouldn't give up where either Luke and the droids had gone, yeah. or specifically after D 2 because he had the yeah. plans, um, they burnt them alive. Mm. They burnt them alive. Can you believe that? Um... So yeah, that's something you don't think about often. And you know what else? I also thought this was yep. like it's. I can't believe that I had this weirder thought when I watched it. When rise of, when I first watched Rise of Skywalker, the ending yes. scene is obviously at the Tatooine farm. Yep. Um, it's it's right outside that dome hut. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder, Brew aren't there anymore? So, like you know, obviously they were cleaned up, disposed of, taken Probably away. Luke.
0: It would have been Luke. He would have gone back.
1: I suppose so, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I was going down the train of thought, I'm like, uh, 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 nah. Luke would have returned at some point. Uh, But I also do just love that there's a moment... There's
1: a moment where Luke is never the same again. Mm. It's that point where he does see it and then he looks down and he sort of... It's when the music starts to swell up and then he yep. looks back up to like, you know, you can see his face properly and it's a completely different face expression. Not only is this a great direction by George Lucas, yes. a killer moment for Mark Hamill as an actor, but mm. also the use of the score because it starts out with Luke's, you know, pretty whimsical, you know, uh, uh, theme and then it, and then it gets... You know, more bass gets involved, then it just becomes more menacing. Because it's even in the music, it's showing how Luke's character has completely changed from this guy who was really quite naive and uh, ignorant about the world he lives in, and now it's just gotten, it's it's just exploded open. His life is never going to be the same, and that's why this is one of the best scenes in the movie.
0: I think this is really a showcase of how the music not only is great but is used so effectively in this scene to just can carry like the emotion and the and the the feelings of the characters further. Like you can't like not only is Mark Hamill's acting great, but if it was just him like staring or like or like just like the scene as it was without the music, it wouldn't have quite the emotional effect. And like in other scenes as well when yep. it's more exciting, the music really builds it up. Like I mean I mean every movie uses the music to do this, but like Star Wars it's so iconic in how it uses the music to get you into the feeling of what you need to be in the film so effectively in every scene,
1: the music literally tells the story. Yeah, which is it why does. I
0: think it would make sense that the, the movie came together once the music was there. Because, like, yes, the special effects are great and the story is a lot of fun, but the music helps with on top of the movie to give you the emotional beats you need to go through throughout the whole film.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, John Williams, you are you are God. I imagine that if, ever, if, that if anyone were to be visited by God he'd look like John Williams um, so there you no, go it's
0: Morgan Freeman do you remember
1: <laughs> uh, there you go so uh, I guess we could now get into Obi. Well, he goes back to, yes. to, to to Obi-Wan and he He's says this not the road is-
0: you're looking for
1: this is when you know Luke really accepts that his life is going to be the same. When he says, "I want to laser, I want to uh, come with you to Alderaan. There's nothing for me here now. I want to mm. learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father." Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a, a facial expression that Obi Wan gives in that moment because obviously there's none of Obi Wan
0: facial expressions in this the film.
1: prequel. The prequels didn't exist yet. They only existed in George Lucas's mind, and because George Lucas was yes. directing Alec Guinness at this point, that's why this facial expression hits home so well because Mm. George Lucas really was this is just how revolutionary it was he was directing these people like Obi-Wan and C-3PO the people who would be in the stories he had not yet told and he was directing them in a way as if those films did exist It's just like, it was, it's, oh, it's amazing when you think about it because this face that Obi-Wan gives to Luke, he, he nods, he supports, he grabs him by the shoulder, like, you know, supportively and they walk off together. But there's a, there's a sort of wistful expression in his eyes. It's just like, okay, like, you know, I, I understand and I'm proud of you that you want to, to do this. But um, he's almost afraid because he knows what happened to Anakin. And right. He knows that um, you know it's a dangerous it's a dangerous path. But so um, that's something that
0: I uh, that I've always found really interesting. So another thing we forgot to mention about Obi Wan yes. is yes. his very you know you know what his very first line is when he shows up. Hello there. Hello there. So the meme was all the way back in 1977, my dude. I know
1: it was. It's it's just oh, it's incredible. That is that really is, is, is an iconic line. Hello there. I mean, Come here, my little friend. Yes. Don't be afraid. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I, you know that you do. You realise that um in uh, Force Awakens, yep. right? Um, when Ray has her vision, yes. When um when Rey has her vision, and at the end she hears Obi Wan's voice. Mm when she hears Ray, Uh, but that's Alec Guinness. And then when she falls on her backside and like, you know, onto the ground, it turns into you and McGregor when he says, I I didn't know that first steps. But the first one is Alec Guinness and the, and the way they got him to say Ray is they took the middle bit of him saying, Afraid in, yeah. uh, to to R two D two and yeah. turn that into Ray. So I just I just love that little it's very good. You know that little tidbit of trivia. But um, getting into what we now see as Moss Icey Spaceport, the place where you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Mm, this is when line. you really get to start to um, build out the lore that didn't even exist yet because there are so many different creatures, different things you get to see. And obviously these aren't the droids you're looking for. They are building out the, the law of the force as well, because now we see that not only is the force a, 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 a mystical power because we hadn't seen the force be used at all, um, up to this point. It just been described by Obi-Wan as a, as an energy field, uh, an energy field that, uh, Surrounded by so that surrounds all living things. This is the first time you actually get to see it used. So you get to see the implications and yep. the uh, and uh, how it can be used. Like the Force can have a strong influence on the weak-minded. You say. <laughs> weak-minded. So, so there you go. But that's also another thing that you never actually notice until later. Mm. Uh, the Force isn't used. T- uh, telekinetically to move things or to li- or to grab nah. things at all in this movie.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things Not that's once. iconic to the Star Wars franchise that we just don't see in this film. I mean, one it, we said Imperial March, no telekinesis, the Force. Also, Tatooine's never mentioned by name. It's nope. just like when, when, even when uh, C-3PO asks where are we, he's like, well, if you're in the you're in the if you think of a place in the galaxy that's like civilized or whatever, you're the furthest far fur, furthest from it or whatever.
1: If there's a bright side of the universe on the planet that's farthest from
0: yeah, um, it never mentions the name Tatooine.
1: The first time, okay, can I ask you a trivia question here? Uh, When is it first mentioned? I do. uh, I I was. I'm curious if you know.
0: Uh, Would it be Return of the Jedi?
1: No, it'd actually be the very end of Empire Strikes Back when Lando when he's when uh, Lando and uh, Luke are talking while Luke's getting his hand surgery when he says, "I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Tatooine." Oh, okay. So yeah, they didn't man. even have the pronunciation right there. He said Tatooine. Mm. <laughs> it's Tatooine, but whatever. Uh, so, so yeah, there you go. But anyway, getting back to Tatooine, um, you get to see uh, one of the most iconic scenes, but one of the best scenes in the movie as well: uh, the Cantina theme. The canteen scene—I mean, uh, sorry—but the canteen yeah. theme itself is also amazing. There's a reason that it's my ringtone because uh, it's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's great. There are so, and uh, but also one of the greater parts of it is what it originally was before the uh, this before the special editions, mm. because there are people in the original version that literally just have Halloween wolf masks on, uh, giant grasshoppers. It's—it's—it's—it's. It's, it's, it's- <laughs> It's awesome. Um so yeah, so yeah, there you go. And um, this is obviously when you get to first see Han and Chewie. Um, another yeah. thing you got to mention is uh, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca just incredible another yeah. thing that I really love about the making of the film itself is that at one point I think it was Gary Kurtz who was the producer of the film and uh, George Lucas they were like okay we got this guy to meet uh, for your um, f- for the role of Chewbacca uh, Peter mm. Peter Mayhew I'm like okay let's go check it out and Peter Mayhew told the story of him being a gentlemanly English uh, a gentlemanly English man when yep. someone who doesn't know enters the room he stands up so so George Lucas comes into the room he stands up and says hi I'm Peter nice to meet you George Lucas looks up at this six foot something man Mm -hmm. and he says i think we found him (laughs) uh so yeah there you go um yeah uh, i
0: mean there's a reason why the main cast of characters are so iconic in it and like chewbacca as being one of them is just so good like he's just a big furry creature but he's like so lovable but it was also so fierce it's great
1: yeah so there you go.
0: Um, uh, and uh, Han Solo, like we were just talking about, you know, uh,
1: the the one you know thing that we often hear uh Han Solo referred to as is the scoundrel, the scoundrel smuggler. And mm. um, again, like you were also talking about, the original trilogy is Han Solo's um, journey to from from a scoundrel and person who really just cares about, you know, himself to someone who ends up fighting for something much bigger than himself. Um, but in a lot of ways, that arc was completed at the end of this movie. Yeah. And then it sort of, sort of, uh, and it not, I guess it sort of like resets. Um, at the start of Empire, yeah, um, he's not, a little not bit to, like that in Empire, but he's still like,
0: yeah, that's true.
1: Not to say that that's particularly a flaw, I, because what would happen if you were so used to a certain lifestyle and then you and then you decide to come back and be, and uh, believe in something that's much I bigger think, than yourself, and then you're with them for three years, you're going to think, okay, you know what, I reckon I might I might be ready to go back to the way things were. I like, think
0: also it's,
1: it's believable as a as a story choice.
0: Yeah, I think also. The end of this it's not necessarily saying that he is like gone full like circle or whatever he's like a revolutionary or whatever. He was more helping out his friend Luke than necessarily helping the cause, I think. Yeah. Like I that was so more too. of a priority. Like I don't think it's by until like Revenge Return of the Jedi that he's fully in the rebellion or like fully committed to being a general or whatever.
1: Yeah. Uh, well anyway, that's all well and good, but mm. there is another scene that takes place in the cantina uh, <laughs> with a certain Rodian and his name is Greedo. I love um, it. I love yes. this scene
0: so much you, simply because this scene will forever, every, every couple of decades, it's going to change. This, this scene will never stay the same. You could literally make a documentary
1: about this, like one and a half minutes of this, of this amazing movie. Um, hmm. Let's just pretend that no one knows a damn thing about it and um, just go from the start. So, as it appears in the theatrical version, Greedo is about to kill Han Solo, and Han Solo shoots him, and that's what happens. He first. says, "Sorry about the
0: mess." He gives, uh, he he tips the bartender, and that's that's how it goes. Um, he's also very clearly shaken by it. He's like, I don't know, he's taking a bit of time to recover.
1: Yeah, um, and then he just walks away from Greedo's smoking body and just yeah. walks away. Um, in the special editions. It was it, it was made so that Greedo uh, shot first. Uh, he so a little he, head
0: bobble as well as he dodges it. Oh, it's that, so great!
1: That weird edit that was made uh, where Han like yep. tilts his head to one side. Oh, uh, so, so that the funny. So that so that Greedo's shot hits the wall and Han's delivers, and then that's yep. how it goes. But such a
0: weird choice. Uh,
1: now we have a third version.
0: McClancky. <laughs>
1: <laughs> since episode four came out on Disney Plus, yep. uh, we have been graced with another variation of this sh- of this uh shot where right. after um Greedo says his little like um you know Toma yep. da briska kenko <laughs> 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 and then Hansel is like yes I bet you have <laughs> that's normally when the shots are fired and the scene takes off from there. But now it's, it's uh scene. yes, take I bet you shot. have. It turns back to Guido. He says,
0: McClunky, McClunky!
1: And then the whole shooting thing happens. What
0: the hell it's is so McClunky? So good. It's, it's like they got the Disney Plus version and it was just on there and no one noticed. For, and then they suddenly picked it up and like, wait, what? why does it suddenly say McClunky? But also, I think apparently like that's the only version that George Lucas gave to them or something like that. It's just... What's so what, funny, even after. What reason is yeah. there to put McClunky oh, in there? What the- it needs more edits. I don't think this film's <laughs> been edited enough. I think this really? film needs to be edited for all eternity. Yeah, that's the it- thing. Sure, George Lucas, he's done with Star Wars. Let Like, let Disney go off and make their films. However, I need every five to ten years a new edit of A New Hope by George Lucas, <laughs> or else I'm not satisfied with my Star Wars. Uh, fair we enough need new um, ju- we need extra dewbacks added in we need more <laughs> stormtroopers added in every scene heck let's throw in more jawas more droids more mcclunkies let's we you
1: need, we, ex- uh, you need we more
0: need scenes to- of jabba the hutt yep we, exactly we need jabba the hutt added in the background of every scene i need alec guinness to to be brought back as a cgi double to say mcclunky or else i'm not satisfied
1: in 2030, the next edit isn't gonna have, isn't even gonna have Han shooting at all. No. It's gonna have him with that weird <laughs> it, head tilt. He yes. shoots the wall and, and it, like it bounces I don't know,
0: back and kills, uh, kills. Bounces back and yeah, bounces, bounces back and kills him. Oh, uh, it's so good. I mean, yeah. obviously, when, like, there's the whole, like, oh, it ruins his character arc or whatever. Like, yes, it makes more sense, and I do prefer it when it's just Han shoots him before Greedo even does anything. But Han I just find it best. so funny. I find it so funny, all of these edits, that... I it's can't help but enjoy it. It's great. And then
1: you can get into the next scene which again is another after the fact edit with the scene of Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Cuz that wasn't
0: in the original. That exactly. wasn't in the original version. It was but a deleted scene where they had like like a just kind of like a, a big man like playing it like a, like a, a larger huge, man.
1: Like this larger man yeah. who was cast as Jabba the Hutt. He's just a
0: dude though. It was just
1: a regular dude. He's just this dude in this really like woolly outfit. Yeah. And he's like, he's like Irish or Scottish. Yeah. He's like, Han, my boy, why haven't you paid me? And why'd you have to grease pork? We like that. Yes. <laughs> um, but also at the end of that scene, because oh, that's how it, that, because that's how it, that's how it played out. Because he was, because he was a dude in that it's scene. Just,
0: it's just a regular man.
1: <laughs> right after, right before Han's about to board the Falcon, he says, Jabba. You're a wonderful human being.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: but in the re-edit when they turned Jabba the Hutt into the slug hut we know today, yep. um, he's not a human being. He's a no. hut. So, it's um, like,
0: I, like, in one sense you could be like, oh, it's like an insult or something, or, or just like weird. It just, I don't know. It also, there's a reason why the scene wasn't included because you didn't need it because you got the Greedo scene. But having them both in there is just funny.
1: But also, that's another thing: is that when just... you look at that scene,
0: Greedo's Greedo, in it. Greedo's
1: in it. Yeah, and at that I mean, point,
0: he is dead. There are two Rodians in it, so and they yeah, both I mean, kind of look pretty similar, so it just could say just say be a it's different Rodian. Yeah. Also, I think they added Boba Fett in after the fact. yes.
1: Boba Fett is in this movie. If you look at it, if if you if you count this scene,
0: yeah, yeah, he's in there.
1: Originally, he wasn't in the the trilogy until Empire Strikes Back, but now he's in it. So he Here's the you go. question.
0: Was Boba Fett in the original version of this scene? No, I don't think he well, was. I think it was in the original.
1: Even... In the original version of this scene, well, the original version of the movie, this scene didn't exist.
0: I know, I'm, sure. but like in the original cut, uh, I'm oh. just, I've I've got it up now. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna watch it. Is he in it? Uh. All
1: right. Well, <laughs> while you why you figure that out? We'll yeah. just keep going. Um. So basically, this is what takes us into. Uh, the Millennium Falcon, the Millennium Falcon, the uh, the 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 legacy ship as we know it. Um, well, it's <laughs> it's described as oh, okay. Is he in it or not?
0: Uh, it's just Irish, like oh, whatever, dude. Just, just a regular person. Pardon my boy. Why haven't you uh... paired me? <laughs> um, I don't think he is.
1: Yeah, no, I wouldn't assume that he is because it was shot after the fact. I I, I, I don't it's...
0: know. Yeah, it's just a dude. Where, where, where Boba Fett was, it's like a, a different man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Great. God. They love replacing just regular men in Star Wars universe with these ca- iconic characters. So Boba Fett was replaced
1: by another guy. Yeah. Sorry, so Boba Fett replaced another guy, yeah. and then an Empire Strikes Back... Boba Fett's voice was replaced by another guy
0: yeah exactly that's the thing I love it as well because we've talked about so much about how this film is like so perfectly made like it was just such a like an in cra- crazy just unexpected at the time it came out of like how it was made and all put together and such a, a perfect film after the fact but I and, and how great George Lucas was as a visionary director in like coming it or putting it all together. I just love also the fact that half afterwards of like how we just keep constantly wanting to edit it and change it over and over again. It's just hilarious.
1: Look, he had a vision. It's the same uh, director. Yeah. You cannot fault him for that vision. Uh, no. Because very good. Because everyone has their own thing, and it was yeah. his baby, and he can do what he <laughs> wants with it. So well,
0: no longer it, they paid him billions of dollars to give it up.
1: Yep. Well, you know, that's a whole that's a whole uh different can of worms. Oh, that's um what give me your thoughts on the Millennium Falcon, Michael. Millennium what can Falcon, you say about this ship at the point at this it's point? It's a
0: lot of fun. I love I love Han's building up of it as well because I mean the scene where he's talking to Obi-Wan and and Luke and he's like he's like talking about it and they're like, Wow, it's like he's like it's really fast and they're like, sorry, should I hurt should I've heard of the Millennium Falcon? He's like, uh, I yeah, this is the one that made the Kessel run in under 12 parsecs or whatever. And Obi-Wan's face if you watch that scene is just I like I know. It's the sure best. it is. Yeah, this is the ship that made the Kessel run in 12 parsecs. Because I mean, it had to be. I know after the fact it's like edited, but it had to be that that like Han was just like pulling it out of his ass. Like he can't have been. Of it course means, he was pulling it out of his ass. Like <laughs> one o- not only does it like parsecs is a measurement of distance not time, which it sounds like it should be time cuz it says seconds or sex or whatever. But like also he's just pulling like this random word out or whatever that he knows about. Oh yeah, the Kessel's system or uh, the Kessel run. Like it's clear from everyone that he knows he's just making it up. But then like no because Han is like this uh, classic, like leader of the rebellion or whatever. He has to have been also amazing smuggler, like this, like legendary person that they made the castle run a real thing. It's just so well, silly.
1: Well, that's that's another thing is that like, you know uh, when when people say that George Lucas, quote unquote, got it wrong, I don't think he got it wrong. Because no, because he didn't. The whole he didn't point, get... yeah, it's purposely makes looks Han huh, look
0: bad. That's the whole point.
1: Well, no, because in well, it's also actually elaborated on in solo lando says you can't make the kessel run in under 20 parsecs because it takes a certain amount of time yeah, to no, navi- no. to navigate through that maelstrom that we see in solo and that um, and that measure of time is 20 parsecs uh, so
0: it's it's not quite so i think so in canon the real explanation yes. which is like the one they do now is that there is the kessel run which is a um a route you go but in order to cut down the time it takes, you go through a separate route which is shorter in distance, which is right. why where the parsec twenty pass parsec, twelve parsecs are. And so the the further the the shorter you cut the distance, the more dangerous it is. No idea what that's got to do with speed, but like yes, yeah, so that's where it comes up. But I don't think that he was. I don't think that it's a mistake in that sense. Like yes, they've retconned it after the fact to make him look like he actually was bra- like what he was saying was true or whatever. I much prefer the idea that, one, the Millennium Falcon is actually a junk ship because he clearly says, uh, like, I can outrun everything, like, Imperial ships. I'm not talking about, like, your jump ships. I'm talking about the full Star Destroyers or whatever. And he clearly was lying because it couldn't outrun them. He had to go into (laughs) hyperspace to do it. And not only does it look like it's junk, uh, but also he, like, makes up this, like, fake system of, like, speed to talk about I am personally, my headcanon, I much prefer the idea that Han is just this, like, trashy, junk smuggler who's, like, in debt, has this terrible ship and is just bragging about everything. That's just so much more interesting to me and seeing him become, like, a rebel general. In, besides from knowing this, like, oh, actually, he's flying the fastest ship in the entire rebellion and he's actually a whole, like, legendary smuggler hero. Like, I don't know. That's just my preference.
1: Yeah, I well, because... You are right the whole reason that he's talking this shop up so much is so that he can get a higher price out of these yeah, people who need it he's this, so excited to the when he founds out they're going to get 17000 Seventeen thousand. Those guys must really be, disp- be, be desperate. This could really save my neck. This is what, what he <laughs> yeah, when know. he when he speaks to Chewie. Exactly. Um, but that's an, even when they see the ship. When Luke says, "What a piece of junk!" <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, right after Han is still going on about. It, he says, "She'll make 0.5 past light speed."
0: Yeah, but like she, she may wh- not. She might look like she might not look like much, but she's got it where it counts. Kid. Yeah. He's all, but, like, not only is he still bragging at that point, but he, like, understands the criticisms of Luke, and so he tries to justify it. It's like, yeah, look, I understand it doesn't look great, but, uh, like, I promise it can go fast, and I've even made my own special modifications.
1: Well, that's another thing. When he talks about special modifications, uh, if we're looking at the Falcon in Solo, <laughs> uh, those, quote-unquote, special <laughs> modifications means uh, destroy the landing gear, yeah, destroy yeah. the escape pod at the, at the front of the yeah, ship. Yeah, he lost the escape uh, pod apparently rip off all the nice, cool, white panels... Yeah. Um, and just make them really, really dirty. Yep. God <laughs> because
0: yeah. Because... Yeah. In how many it, years, it got really poor When we see
1: it... When we see it in Solo, it's, like, so squeaky clean. It's yep. all white. And, and then when you see it in New Hope, all the walls are, like, dirty as hell. Mm. Like, God, is it really that hard to keep a Wookiee clean? <laughs> yeah. And also... Um,
0: also in... Um... In a, and *Revenge of the Sith*, you see a YT twenty four hundred, whatever the um, Millennium Falcon is, um, which was just a fun Easter egg. But in canon, it's been confirmed that that was the that was the Millennium Falcon. That was the Falcon. But it very clearly looks as it does in uh, *A New Hope*, so it's yeah, like exactly it went from being grungy and old to being squeaky clean and new and brand new, to being grudgy and old again. It's like, what? I know. They showed it as yeah. we know it.
1: But at yeah. that time, it wasn't the way we know it. At that time, it was the way Lando had it. But I, I
0: anyway. think I really like this film in the context of it originally as this film, as it's just kind of like smaller in scale. It's just kind of a couple of people going on like this fun little adventure trends, like Stop the Empire. And like, they're nothing special. Like Luke's a farm boy han is just like a, a incompetent smuggler type thing Leia is a princess so she's probably the highest and like what's his name's a wizard but like it's it's more interesting in that i feel like they've just been such like they've been made such legends of like in the outside expanding lore and the previous films and all that i i really enjoy just looking at it in its original context as the characters were known at this time especially yeah, no. through han han's the one i think is the most
1: Oh yeah, you're right. Now uh, I guess now you can sort of get into the scene where you first get to see uh, Luke spark up a lightsaber, yeah. and it's this and it's that scene. Uh, well, also, right? Uh, it, this comes right after um, uh, it's it's le- it's the scene with Leia and Tarkin where Alderaan blows up. Yeah.
0: Um, Does this, Luke ever use a lightsaber in combat, or only in that one scene?
1: He never uses it in combat in this so. movie. Yeah. He only uses it at this one point.
0: Yeah, because. It's only in the next one that he starts to do it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, he does um, use it to block the, the the training droid, but yes.
1: Yeah, I guess if you want to call that combat, sure. But like, um, yeah,
0: no, but he's still training at this point. He doesn't, yeah. he's not, He does. he's not yeah. like Finn. He doesn't just attempt to use it. Because I feel like as much as yes, you do want Jedi training and stuff, like you don't need training to know how a sword works like, you yeah. can, you, like, yes, you can get good with the light table, or whatever, with, like, skill. But I feel like at the very least... I don't know. But you maybe. Can use, you, you can learn how to
1: use... You can learn how to use one. but the beauty of this scene, it's not about the light table at all. It's about yeah. how, you know, because he can't see... He can't see the targeting remote, so he needs to uh, feel it instead. It's, you know, um, yeah. stretch out with your feelings, as everyone says. And um, the, the the thing that I love, it's one of my favorite lines in the movie, and it's just, you know, beautifully delivered by Alec Guinness when he says, you know, I could almost yep. see something. I could almost see the remote. Um, you've taken your first step into a larger world. And, yep. that's, and He's almost speaking to the audience in that way, because... George Lucas had this much larger world in mind and this was only our first step in it and something also that you get to see is Han Solo and the fact that he doesn't believe in any of it he says um, Hokie religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side kid and that's basically his character arc personified in one line of dialogue because he says he's flown from one side of the galaxy to the other seen a lot of strange things but he'd never seen anything that would make him believe there's one all powerful force Mm -hmm. controlling everything so and that is the exact line because I kid you not I could literally say every single line of this movie I've seen it that many times. You you can Um, recite
0: this movie from memory?
1: I absolutely can, yes. Yeah.
0: That's great.
1: I've actually asked people before, ask me to say, like, what's the uh, 60th word spoken in A New Hope? And I'll be able to tell
0: you. (laughs) What's... All right, fine. Here here we go. Testing it in a button. All right. What are the exact lines uh, when Leia goes on on Yavin 4 for the first time and meets up with that general character?
1: All right. Uh, he says, you're safe. When we heard about Alderon, we feared the worst. Yep. Um, we have no time for sorrows, Commander. You must get this Archer uh, unit to... Um, you must use this Archer unit to help uh, coordinate the attack. It's our only hope.
0: Very good. Ten points. <laughs> Ten points yeah. to Gryffindor.
1: If I'm wrong, I'm just—I'll be like, oh no, I talked—I I talked a bit—I talked a big well, game, and then I'll be like, oh
0: god. We'll never know because I'm too lazy to search it up, and the viewers are definitely going to be too lazy to search it up.
1: <laughs> actually, you know what? It's not coordinate; it's plan. You must uh, use a uh, Unit to help plan the attack. Okay. It's our only hope. There, Minus no.
0: two points. Only eight points to Gryffindor.
1: <laughs> I am actually in Gryffindor, so thank you. <laughs> of course, um, so, you're in Gryffindor. <laughs> oh, thank you, Michael. I mean, what are you? Are you? Uh, are you, are you I'm you, a Ravenclaw. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there you go. So um, I guess what you get into now is uh, the Death Star reveal. You'd seen Death the Death Star. Star up to this point, but yeah. that part where um, this is another great instance of the way in which George Lucas did a great job of uh, creating suspense, mm. because not only is that uh, is the is the music good when it's like. Na, 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 na. it's that really understated, like, oh God, you're about to like, look at something menacing and he's just like, yeah. you know, that's no moon. It's a space station. It's too big to be a space station. Um, you know, mm. turn the ship around. Yeah. I think you're right. That's so great. Um, it, it's, it, 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 you know, it doesn't have to be groundbreaking dialogue, which it's no secret. It's not. But the way that it's, that the film is constructed itself, this scene is, in itself is just again really well done and it's a it's a tutorial on how to build suspense in only like two minutes so mm. so there you go and yep. um uh what what comes next i guess you know you sort of you just get into, the, into the falcon on the Death star and i think I'm, yeah
0: you get a lot of this is really like some of the dynamics between luke leia and han start to show up once they've rescued them and and even earlier with like luke che- chewie and and han and separate yeah. it's like it's a lot of them this film is just a lot of them yelling at each other
1: well, yeah pretty much <laughs> and, and
0: getting angry at each other which is are you funny. kidding
1: me they the right there gaining yep <laughs> traveling through hyperspace and like dusting crops boy it's
0: great so it's pretty interesting though. yeah I, I do um, love the the like relationship and how like luke's early like infatuation like like upon seeing like leia on the uh on the help me everyone can i be my only hope he's like what who's this who's this girl and um and and when he sees the princess is like when he hears the princess is there like we have to rescue her it's great how like luke is just like i don't know it's funny like uh, I know how many, like maybe he's not seen much many girls on Tatooine or whatever, but like he's just like really interested. But my favorite scene in the film does come a bit later on, where like Hans just when they've already rescued them on the. Millennium I know exactly Back what and, you're talking about. Yep. I know exactly. And what Hans you're talking just about. been arguing with with Le- with Leia, and then comes and sits down with Luke, and then Luke's like, "Uh, uh oh, what was the exact line?" It's so. Um, what do you think of her, Hans? Yeah, that's the one, and he's try like, not, "I try not, not to, to kid," and he's like, "Good." good Dude. and, and Han, he looks down, was to like, okay, tell he knows okay so luke is interested how can i mess with him and he's like so ah who do you know what do you know though what do you think a, uh, what do you think a girl like her and a guy like me no like he's like no and <laughs> his, his smile afterwards knowing and he looks, he's, he's and successfully
1: he like- messed with him <laughs> He looks over to the left and he like, that that smile he gives yeah. is the best. It's like, so good. He, he looks over to Luke and he realizes, oh, he's really pining for this girl. Okay, I'm going to mess with him. Yeah. Still, she's got a lot yeah. of spirit. Yeah. Say, what do you think? You think a princess and a guy like me? No. It's so good. It's the best. That's my really. favorite
0: scene in the whole film. It's I awesome. love so much when they go up.
1: Yeah. Um. I just love, honestly, the... the um, the prison, the prison uh, block scene yep. is also one of my favorite parts of the movie, just because oh. of the exchange that they have. Yep. What the hell are you doing? Somebody has to save our skins. Another, and, uh, another
0: great scene as well. It's uh, when Han goes on the uh, recorder. It's like, uh we had a a weapons, uh, we- weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's all good up here. We're all, we're all good now. Uh, we're, all, we're good. Uh, how, how are you?
1: <laughs> Everything is all right here now. Thank you. Thank how you, are man. you? How
0: are you? <laughs> and <laughs> and then, he shoots it. He's like, who is oh, this? Is like, ah, oh, she's boring, boring conversation com- anyway.
1: Boring conversation anyway. And uh, a yeah. little tidbit that inspired uh, Finn later in uh, the sequel trilogy yep. because uh, she was being held in cell block 2187. So yeah. um, that's, that's how he, he got right. his name. But this, um, this
0: film, is not only a lot of fun, but it's also a lot funnier than I remember. Like, there are a number... Yeah. Of, like, there's, Wonder- like... There's the one where the... I mean, the, I think this was edited after the fact, but, like, the, the stormtroopers are running. They're like, close the blast doors, close the blast doors. And then they jump through the blast doors, and they're like, open the blast doors, open the blast doors. <laughs>
1: it's the best. It really
0: and is. then there's the iconic helmet bop scene with the stormtrooper. That guy but, had to...
1: Did, did yeah. you know that guy had to go to the hospital? I know.
0: It was, like, a legitimate, like, injury. A serious like, neck injury that guy yeah. got. I mean, it's, it, like, again, it's t- horrible, but it makes a hilarious scene with, when they add the sound effect in as well. And the fact that it was in the original cut and just no one noticed.
1: I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, no, it's really funny when it's just, like, wonderful. Like, you know, after, you know, she's, yeah. um, you know, she's she's clearly uh, annoying and frustrating Han. So yeah. she's just like, wonderful girl. Either I'm going to kill her or I'm beginning to like her. So, <laughs> great, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's great. And... Um, uh, what is it what he says to Chewie when he's like get in there you big furry oaf i don't care what you smell Yeah,
0: <laughs> get in yeah. There, don't the worry relationship between Chewie and Han is so cute cuz it's like he's the only one that actually understands Chewie and like Chewie like speaks a lot and stuff but also yeah. like he's so like he's like really sweet like cowardly cuz he's afraid of like the like the monster inside and so he yeah. like shoots it and there's like what are you okay you, you, it's it's not scary anymore. I love their, he, I love their relationship.
1: I know he kicks him in like he kicks him in the butt, and he and he just like pushes him down. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, some it, it's it might be my favorite Chewie moment in the movie when he's like, come here. When they got when they get out yeah. of the trash can back then. he's like, yeah. come here, you big coward, Chewie, yeah. come here. And then. The way Chewie shakes his head mm. is so childish and bratty that it is that it's the it's the it's, it's the sweetest thing that he does. And you
0: could just so, imagine Peter Mayhew and they're doing the movements because and... he's
1: like, "No, I don't want to come back." And so, yeah. It's a spooky um, monster. Yeah. Uh, no, Luke, you can't put handcuffs on me. Only Han's allowed to do that. Mm. So <laughs> that
0: is that's very good.
1: Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Um, the pr- the trash compactor scene. Another tutorial for other directors and filmmakers on how to build suspense not mm. only in the way that it's intercut between what they're doing and uh c-3PO and r2d2 when they're like uh, on the outside um but also the fact that at one point luke just gets so fed up with c-3PO because he's like are yeah. you there sir 3PO and then the yeah. 3 is just like yes well we've had some problem will you shut up and listen to me then- <laughs> yeah yeah Um, And Han saying uh, One thing's for sure We're all going to be a lot thinner Like Just (laughs) Just um, Still
0: cracking jokes
1: Always the sarcastic optimist I guess Yeah Yeah. Um, And uh, Yeah There you go And uh, The Dianoga Is also just like A really interesting character design Because Like this is a Outer space Imperial uh, um, You know Space station And yet they were still able to somehow get a A a weird sea creature Stuck in their Trash compactor
0: Yeah I don't know if it was I, I I feel like I remember somewhere maybe that it was put there on purpose as like a way of cleaning it or something. Or maybe it was just done there accidentally. But it is funny. Yeah, this entire thing is like completely constructed out of metal uh, with like personnel or whatever. Like how, if it wasn't on purpose, how did that creature get there inside the detention block of a giant space station I know. in the middle of space where does it get its food and, and also it clearly knows about the con- contractor so the compactor because it like leaves as it start right before it starts compacting
1: exactly like how long has he been there but also like have you ever seen the the actual image of a dianoga like its yeah, I body have. they are terrifying i would not want to run into one of those things yeah exactly um, so yeah there you go so i uh... You know what? Let's just skip to what now is uh, what we now see as the first lightsaber duel ever put on uh, on screen. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Okay. Look, it's well known that the choreography is bad. And that spin by Obi-Wan is yep. just oh it's and very there's, good. There's there's literally a moment where they uh, they're, they're like the, the lightsabers have clashed, they've locked and nothing is moving. And mm. then Darth Vader like moves his lightsaber down and he's on the other side of Obi-Wan's lightsaber. When he brings it down in the way he does, he would have gone clean through Obi-Wan's head, but it cuts away right after. <laughs> and he just and um the lightsaber's are under a completely different position. Yeah. So like I mean, you can't fault them because this had never been done before. Like, lightsabers... Because, you know, um, lightsabers were uh, uh, established as a Jedi's weapon. um, Mm. As you see uh, when you first see one when Obi-Wan gives Luke his father's lightsaber. But you would never seen them clash. Um, So you can't really fault them for that. And also, I just love that every movement Darth Vader makes in this scene completely negates everything he did in Rogue One. Because because it basically means that um, on Monday... On on Monday, he like slices up rebels mercilessly in yep. a hallway, and he's like the most skilled we've ever seen him. Exactly. And then on and then on Tuesday, uh, we see him as he is. in He's a new like coach, struggling
0: so. to fight an old man or whatever.
1: He was having an off day.
0: Have you seen? There's like a like a special effects like recreation of that fight scene. Like yes, I have modern. Like that's pretty fun. But like also it is pretty fun. I feel like it doesn't need to be there. Like it. it this fight while yes it's not like prequel level fight or like anything like that it captures what you need which is like an emotional battle between like these two old friends and i also like the idea that they're both just like very old like obi-wan at this point is getting really elderly and, and like older and <laughs> stuff and Darth True. vader is like barely cobbled together like he's got robotic parts and all that but it's it's like funny well, I, I, the I like time- idea at the same
1: time at the same time, when you think about it, like you know, at the time of that moment, Darth Vader and, by essence, uh, Anakin was well. Let's see now. He was twenty-two. He was twenty-two at the end of Revenge of the Sith. He would have been forty-one. He would have been forty-one years old, and um, Obi Wan's just a little bit older than him at that point. But they are fighting as if they're sort of just like both, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, old Obi-Wan's veterans, like, not. Looks veterans like of 70. an old war. Yeah, exactly. and
0: like Anakin is like. It feels like it's 50 or 60 or whatever. It's just funny. You
1: know what? I saw a really great... Like, this is going to derail the conversation again completely, yes. just for a quick sec. But, um, you know, we were talking a while ago about how um Owen and Beru look the way they do only yes. after 19 years. Yep. They go from being the young versions of themselves we see in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith to seeing how we see them in A New Hope, and it's only been 19 years. Yeah, yeah. But... In episode 3, how do we see Bail Organa as this, well, how we see him? How do we see him in Rogue One, 19 years later? He's a little bit... He's, he's, he's got a yeah. few white hairs, and he's clearly a little bit older. He's, like, he not doesn't that look, much older. He doesn't look that much older. So, clearly, whatever they um, have sustaining them on Alderaan is far better for you than whatever they have on Tatooine.
0: That's the thing. I... My legitimate headcanon... Is having the two sons on Tatooine ages you like really bad? Because Absolutely. Who are the three biggest? I, I guess Vader as well, but like um, less so. Who are the three biggest age jump people? It's Obi Wan, it's Arpru, and it's and it's Uncle Owen. They all get like crazy old in 19 years. I think it's the twin sons. Like ages you twice as fast.
1: That's true. And you know what else? When Luke Skywalker dies in Last Jedi, at yeah. that time he's only like I don't know in his 50s. Yeah. But he looks super old.
0: Yeah, if you and grew up on t- and, and
1: and that's because Toe also has two sons. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> definitely, it's the aging. Um, you don't want two sons there. Gets 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 you old really old quickly.
1: Yep, absolutely not. Uh, so yeah, that's that's how that happens. And like we were just talking about, like yes, the fight, the choreography itself is is what it is. But it's not about that. This no. fight isn't about the fight itself. It's about what Obi-Wan is prepared to do to, to let Luke... Uh, live and let Luke do what he knows he has to do, um, because he knows that Obi Wan at this point knows that his time has come. He has served his purpose. He has made sure that this kid who he was who who was um entitled to protect has um he's on the right path and he will be able to guide him from another world of the Force from this moment on. So that's yep. why he gives up his life so that Luke can... That he gives up his life so that Luke's life can begin. And it's yeah. not about the fight. It's about what that fight means. To so, become one with yeah.
0: the Force to help guide Luke in, in a more important way. Exactly. So I can be down and I should be more powerful than you can imagine.
1: And that's what happened, as we see in Episode 5 and 6. Yeah. Um, Even so in yeah. this
0: one, the, you or, there is already still some Alec Guinness voiceover. Like, one, he tells, run, Luke, run. But also, Run, Luke, run. Also, when he's doing the Death Star run. Uh, the trench runnies, like he uh, he tells him to like trust in the force or whatever.
1: Yeah, Luke, trust your feelings, mm. and then and then Luke literally just shoots a random side of the Death Star, but because he trusted his feelings, he ends up taking out like a dozen stormtroopers out uh, like inside. So there you go. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah. hang on, so we were at the lightsaber fight, um, and now I guess you get. Could... Oh, that's just another thing that you know backtracks slightly is mm. um that part where Han Solo just decides to like charge. And, uh, yeah. a bunch of stormtroopers. He turns around a corner and goes, because yeah. he realizes he's just become an. En- it's become an entire battalion. Italian. But do you know what it was originally?
0: Yeah, it was only like ten people or whatever.
1: No, there was literally like five or six of them oh. at the end of like a dead a, end of like a corridor. Um, oh, and okay. He just so then he just turns around and that's how it plays out. And now what we have is he turns around and there's like an entire Yeah. Bata- like there's that's thousands like ATSDs
0: of them added in as well. Right. With like
1: TIE fighters and Isn't God it? knows what else in the okay. background. Yeah no, yeah. no, no, you're right. There is. Storm. Um Yeah. Yeah. So I was also wondering what are these, what are, what are all those stormtroopers doing? <laughs> they're clearly not being sent to hunt down these. The, yeah. They're the, just sitting the there. The intruders. Yeah. Um, And also the the moment where uh, Luke and Leia swing across that thing. That is one of my favorite sequences. Not only because the music is on point, you get the first immersion of the Wilhelm scream in Star Wars, which is just, you know, it's iconic. But also, because of some behind-the-scenes trivia about this uh, scene here, Um, first of all, the the rope that they used to swing on was not secure. No. Not at all. Uh, They were hoisted... 30 feet up into the air of the set, right? Yeah. They could only shoot on this one day. So, um, Mark Hamill was sort of just like, uh, I I heard it broke. I mean, I'm not sure if I want to be doing that. And then the stunt coordinator was like, Mark, I wouldn't let you go up there if it wasn't safe. It totally was not safe because of the fact that they still hadn't cracked it. Uh, so they were actually under (laughs) a lot of, um, there was some, uh, like you know, a huge danger that that could really, really end badly, but obviously it didn't. Yeah, they they lived to f- to, to um <laughs> to, to film the rest. But yeah, that's it's 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 like a blood curdling thing that you just know about this person who I was just like, it.
0: yeah, uh, I love also. The, it's the, totally safe. Yeah, they also there's a, a kiss for luck. <laughs> there's a number of kisses between Luke and Leia in this film. That's just like a hundred percent either. One of two situations. Either George Lucas has an interesting um, way of writing Luke and Leia's relationship in this film, or he 100% did not plan for them to be brother and sister at this time. Yeah. Because he clearly I, builds up a romance between them.
1: I really couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, Could be yeah, anyone. So there of them. you go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's chug on because I believe our runtime is pretty long today. We're um, just
0: getting into it. We're just enjoying it.
1: <laughs> we are. We really are enjoying this, and you and I hope you guys are too. So, if we get back to uh, Yavin, um,
0: which where a, that's where most of the film's already been. Like, there's only like twenty minutes left, or so, once they're at Yavin.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so at this point, you can sort of just get into the the Death Star chase scene. This such a is, good. Such it's a such a good scene, scene because obviously, um, or, or sequence, I guess you could say, because yeah. uh, George Lucas clearly took inspiration from um, uh, World Two, World War II uh, Ge- dogfights dog and, yeah. and just in the way that the X-Wings move, like, you know, when there's a, I believe there's a shot when they're like in a set of three and one tumbles off, the other one follows and then the last one comes after that. That's exactly how they used to move and the way yeah. in which it's attacked with like, you know, the the trench run, it's all inspired by that yeah. sort of thing and that's I- why, you know, Luke... Uh, sorry, not Luke. George Lucas had this vision, mm. and um, it's really executed uh, flawlessly. I have I to just, say, though, the, the music yeah, is definitely. on point; it's great.
0: I just love the 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 feel of the scene. Like they're all like calling out to each other, and they have another of like attacks, and some of them like us unsuccessful, and then they get like shot down, and then the Tie Fighters show back up, and like they're all like calling out to each other like their call signs and and then like where like they first go in and it's misses and like Biggs and and Wedge on there like they go in with Luke it's such good feel and watching this has made me actually like really excited for squadrons actually so
1: oh absolutely um uh, you're absolutely right. The way this, the 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 editing, I believe, is at its best in this scene because something that you would have been able to uh, feel, especially if you were an audience member back in 1977, is that this fight never feels one-sided, because obviously um, the the rebels they are they they are making their attack run and like you know they. They, they're, they're shooting down X-Wings sorry not X-Wings TIE Fighters they're mm. making their trench run but like you said they are suffering the, um, the, the first shot they, they make at the exhaust port doesn't work they are constantly getting shot down by TIE Fighters so it clearly shows that they are outnumbered and it took a lot of perseverance for them to win. So a lot of the time, it doesn't feel like it's just a shoe in that they're going to win. Like, you know, if you were an audience member back then, I would have been on the edge of my seat because I would be like, oh God, they could lose at any moment here. Um, but it's also just like I said, in terms of intercutting back to uh, the Yavin base, back to the fighters, back to Moff Tarkin in the control room saying, evacuate in our moment of triumph. Yeah. So that's really, um, I think you overestimate their chances. <laughs> so um, that's, that's why this scene is so well done because it gives you, all three perspectives of what you should be taking into account. And, um, yeah, just that scene where Luke shoots the, uh, you know, he, he makes the, he, he makes the shot. It's just really well done because again, like you, it, it's Luke has essentially won. like the death star is going to explode, but yeah. at the same time, literally at the, at that very moment, um, the death star is taking aim at the rebel base. So like, even up till the last second, the tension is so high. And Definitely. that's why it's re- And that's why the scene is,
0: is just perfect. It's such a good scene. And like, yeah, with everything, like Darth Vader, like there's, most of them have been shot down. There's like hardly any of them left. Like Darth Vader's come in personally to shoot them. They like, Wedge gets, like fly, flies off. They shoot bigs. So it's like the tension's going up. And then like Vader's about to shoot Luke within his sights. And then like Han Solo comes on. And Woo-hoo! like shoots them. It's
1: like, yeah! yeah.
0: It's great. It's that's- awesome. That is one of the, one of the greatest moments. And like, it literally releases can, it, the, the missile.
1: One of my favorite shots in the film oh, is says, the
0: force is strong with this one. Oh, so good. But also what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. That's my. I, that's, I forgot. All right. I, the other one scene that I said was my favorite. That's my favorite line in the film, which is Vader's what? <laughs> oh, so good. Do you
1: know that's his last line in the entire movie? Oh, it's,
0: that is amazing.
1: And also, also, when he when he does turn his head, you can see his eyes through yeah. the through the mask. Oh, which is, really? Which is in, yeah, you know, if you look closely, you can see David Price's eyes, which is interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, is also does the tie advanced have a have a hyperdrive? Because he gets like shot off in the distance or whatever uh, after the Death Star blows up. How does Vader get out of there?
1: I do not know because it was only, I don't think Tie Fighters themselves had hyperdrives. Well, at that TIE point. Fighters don't. I seen no, the no. tie advanced does. They only the only time that you see TIE Fighters jump into hyperspace is at the start of Rise of Skywalker. So they literally didn't have them until that point. Yeah. Um, so they certainly didn't have them. Vader just managed it does to have a escape. Yeah, he managed does. to... Oh, it does. It does have, a hyperdrive. Does. Yep. It does have TIE- a hyperdrive.
0: So it's... Because it, it. it was an advanced like prototype version.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so there you go. Because I was wondering if it didn't, he was clearly still in the vicinity. So after the Death Star blew up, you would have thought that the remaining X-Wings and the Millennium Falcon would have been like, okay, target that TIE Advanced. No. Um,
0: but, like, but, also, uh, I feel like, I think at, at the very least, like, the Empire would have sent reinforcements because, like, they did end up evacuating Yavin base pretty much soon after, I would have assumed.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, and I'll also just, you know, lastly, the, the thing that we were just talking about with Han yep. Solo, that shot where the Falcon first comes back, mm. when you see the sun right behind it as it zooms in on the camera, just, yeah. oh, it's the best like Very literally, good. the filmmaking itself in this movie, regardless of how enjoyable and just adventurous it is, the filmmaking as a as a thing yeah. is just gorgeous, gorgeous, Definitely. and it gives me goosebumps every time. And he's like, "You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home." Yeah. Uh, so it's oh, it's the amazing. best. Great shot, kid. That was one in a million. Um, yeah. And uh, that leads us back to the the Yavin base, and I, I, I like we we talk about just wholesome, enjoyable scenes that mm. are just so nice to watch. Um, it will always get me and it will always be fun to watch them just like, just hug and just be so happy that they won. Like, yeah. it's just, it's so fun to watch and um, d- actually, it it's, you can't hear it very well, but you can actually hear Mark Hamill call Princess Leia Carrie.
0: Yep. Carrie, it's good. When they
1: first hug him, he, she goes, Luke, and he goes, Carrie!
0: <laughs> I know. It's uh, such a so, funny too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, so, It's subtle, so there but there, uh, it's also go And then, like with the metal scene and well, stuff like they're they celebrate so much for their like little victory against the empire, and then listen- in Empire Strikes Back, it gets all dark again after. The summer. I know.
1: I listen to the um, to the to the throne room scene like all the time. Like, yes. it's just oh, it's so good. And um, they've is, given it, canon- is it as good as the?
0: <laughs> uh,
1: who knows? Who knows? Who could say? Oh, that's another thing we just forgot to quickly mention is the Tie Fighter, um Tie Fighter attack on the Falcon. Yeah, that is an amazing scene. It's the first time you get to hear the dun 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 dun. Yeah, that is a great one. I do. I think I love this film. The space
0: battles in this film is not only where a lot of the special effects that were pioneered in this film shine, but also this film. It's so much fun. I love this the space battles in Star Wars are some of the most iconic and awesome parts of it. Like whether the TIE fighters versus Money Falcon or whether the Death Star run. And that's, that's part. Of, and that's a lot like in the trailer as well. Like it's part of the film, the reasons this film was like so iconic is like a science fiction films, like the spaceship battles. It's, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's the a, last ch- scene of the movie,
1: the very last shot of the movie where that, where the heroes all turn around and they applaud and Chewie technically has the last line of the movie. Cause he growls and then yeah, that's how it ends. That's that the best part about this movie for me is that Star Wars is now just one cog in this amazing franchise machine that we've been graced with for the past 43 years. Yeah. Um but at the same time to this day you can go back and watch A New Hope and just enjoy it yeah. as it's as its own movie and that's I really so that-
0: enjoyed watching it in the context like pretty much focusing entirely just on this film.
1: And that is something that will never go away. It yeah. just It's just, oh, it's amazing. No matter Star how Wars many itself, edits they will make, go afterwards away. And Star Wars itself will just never go away. And it's because of what a ama- what an amazing job this perfect film did. So, yeah. Very yes. Good. Um, yes. Is it time uh, to rank it? Yes, time to rank it. Where are we going to um, put it? Well, my personal ranking would be first place. Uh, I would the agree. Movies that we've done, the first place we've done, uh, the first one, uh, sorry, the ones that we've done so far First place, A New Hope. I Second agree. place, Revenge of the Sith. Third place, Phantom Menace. And uh, fourth place, Attack of the Clones. There you go. Yep, we're um, in consensus
0: on this one. It was there very good. I loved Revenge of the Sith, but you could. This is just such a great film.
1: It's Skywalker a- Skywalker Saga retrospective epi- uh, 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 um, episode four for episode four. Uh, Star Wars: A New Hope, done and yeah. dusted. As usual, the be- uh, one of my, you know. My, I would say one of my favourite films of all time, if Definitely. not my favourite, and it will go down in history for years and years to come. So... Yeah. Um, and that also brings the epi- this episode of telling the odds to a close. Everybody, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we've gone kind of long, but that's okay because I hope the conversation was yeah. uh, as as enriching for you. We're as very it was passionate about this us.
0: franchise, and this is where the franchise started out. So not only is this exactly. great film, but yeah, so we had we a lot to talk about. So we on top about.
1: for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope you guys have really enjoyed today. Uh, the time codes for each of our discussions are going to be available in the description of the podcast episode. You can skip to any discussion that you'd like to hear the most except listen to all of them because they're all nice to listen to Um, we are available on multiple different podcast platforms Uh, basically anywhere that you listen to a podcast we're there including YouTube Uh, we are available through the week uh, on uh, basically on uh, Mondays 24 hours after the podcast first shows up which is 12pm AEST Uh, so make sure to tune in and uh, catch this episode there on social media also we are available on Instagram Facebook and Twitter make sure to uh follow us there and uh subscribe so that you can uh you know sk- uh, keep on track with everything that we do our thumbnails and our, our uh, update as to what's coming in the uh coming week and um yeah that's about it make sure Definitely. to tune in next time for whatever uh fun stuff we'll be talking about next time um michael anything more to say
0: uh no, thank you all for listening so much. It's it means the world. Frankly, we have so much fun recording this. Like whether it was just we us too. two talking to each other, and like I mean, yeah, knowing that like people listening out there means a lot. And this is just like a passion of ours that we just love talking about Star Wars.
1: Yeah, like honestly, we'd be having huge discussions like this even if it wasn't on a podcast. So, um, mm. so there you go. Uh, all in all, guys, thank you again very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back this time next week. This has been telling, telling the odds.